I'm so psyched up for this show. This is our uh, end of the year show. Yes, it's the end of the year. Um, Finally. Yeah. Finally. But um, it took forever. Yeah, it's uh, kind of been some kind of year. It's, and um, It's two years. It's like COVID years. Co- yeah. A COVID year is like a dog year. It or seems something. that way. It's like seven years. It seems that way. And now that it's back, COVID is back. It seems that. <laughs> I keep saying it seems that way. <laughs> I never want to say anything for sure, because if I say it is, then it is. But um, magical thinking, my friend. It, it, it is <laughs> just. Uh, I'm just trying to. Uh, yeah, me too. Pull it together here, um, and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X, and I'm Sleepy Mike. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. It's the RMA New Year's Spectacular. Today, we will review this year in recovery, hear some monster voicemails, and reveal our New Year's resolutions for RMA. And Grant Boykin, a.k.a. G Money Smooth, a.k.a. the editor-at-large of the RMA Newsroom, and the mastermind behind the preeminent recovery news website, SoberLiningsPlaybook.com, breaks down this year in recovery. Wow. All this and more... (laughs) Today, on a very special edition of RMA. Wow, how did we get Grant to agree to come on and do something? I had to announce his website like that. (laughs) That was it. He's like, listen, I'll do it, but uh, I need you to say the name of my website. Yeah, well, it's nice of him to join us. Um. (laughs) No, but for real, um, we are in a bind this week because Mike was on a... um, on a tour of America with his family, <laughs> touring all of the museums. And so I was sort it was of... A lot of mu- it, was, it was a lot of museums this week. It was, right. it was. And uh, and I'm like, shit, we're going to do a show, you know, because the last time we did a show, it was early. So you guys know that if there's too many days in between shows, I start to go nuts. Yes, you do. And uh, we'll go into what I was, what all I was doing. You were very busy, gone. though. Was, you were a very busy beaver this holiday season. That's right. It was very busy. Um Is this episode brought to you by the Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon? Patreon? What's that? Patreon, it is a members-only subscription service that gives us the latitude to create more content, backstage dirt, and a closer connection to the Munster community while financially supporting the Herculean efforts required to keep the RMA movement moving forward. Just added. Tell them what you just added. Oh, sh- okay, guys. What what is going on on the Patreon? I'm so excited about this. I uh, my son is on some kind of um, he does gaming streaming and all that shit. And they all use something called Discord to chat with one another. They do everything with Discord. Mostly, mm. it's a voice chat. It's also kind of like Facebook, but faster and more secure. And in any case, I got uh, part of the Patreon uh, setup. We have lets us integrate. Uh, this Discord uh, discussion app with for all of our patrons, and it gives us like a special little. You got on top of the bonus content we're putting out there. We're also in the I call it the inner sanctum, and it's really like you want support. You want to talk about this show. You want to talk to other monsters. It's like kind of an instant group chat, like message board slash. We can do Zoom meetings on it. There's a bunch of monsters on there now. We're having a great time. 
Mike finally, <laughs> I did all of this while Mike was kind of incommunicado. Well, um, so my sister was coming up from Florida for Christmas. I was having 20 people over at my house on Christmas Eve, and uh, you decided it would be a good time to set up the Patreon. Uh, so yeah. I, uh, who am I to get in the way of progress? Listen, uh, just trust me on this one. The monsters love it. And it keeps me occupied when we're not doing the show. Like I, I'm like always thinking about recovery shit. I'm always do you juggle. I can juggle. I showed you. Remember, oh, we can both right. do the that's triple. Right. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I'm always like. But, <laughs> I'm just uh, wondering because your hands, I yeah. think, need to be active all the yeah, time. Yeah, I can juggle. Yes. I can juggle while doing the okay. show and chewing gum. Um, but listen, it's it's just it's been super. I love it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And um, <laughs> it's so funny because I watched Forrest Gump. Recently, and that was sounded very Forrest Gump. I like you so Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, uh, and guys, it's really. I haven't figured out how to gift Patreon subscriptions, and I looked it up. Is there a way to do that? No, you should gift me one. Yeah, because <laughs> we don't even have two logins. <laughs> um, but it's been so cool to get to know some of the monsters that that joined up. Um, they're you know we're going back and forth sometimes. If somebody messages there, like everybody gets a message and I can write back right away. And so it's a really cool way to uh, kind of up your level of recovery support. I know a couple guys on there now that are, you know, they're getting a lot out of it and it's uh, it's a work in progress. So, so if your recovery, uh, if recovery, if your New Year's resolution includes more Nat <laughs> and Mike occasionally. He's coming on uh, there too. You know, go look at the Patreons. There's a couple of levels. There's something for everybody. You can get in for like three bucks a month. You know, just do it. Why not? Yeah. And you know, we're still going to be on the Facebook, so don't worry about that. Definitely. But but I wanted like people who really needed extra support are really just like, I don't know. It's really cool. So patreon.com slash recovering the middle ages um, and come on and join us. And the bonus content coming this year is going to be fire. Second to none. We're working on some video stuff. Uh, you know, while you were doing the uh, the Patreon, I was doing a deep dive into figuring out how to how to start streaming and doing video mm. and all that stuff. And we're going to have that discussion See, offline. You do stuff too. I do stuff behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, and I actually demoed in my house a video setup that I think might be a good place for us to start. But we'll talk about that. Um, so I don't know. Go on there, three bucks a month. The podcast will always be free. Yes, it will. Yes, and I wanted to say. Welcome to all the monsters listening stateside, around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Where can they find us, Mike? I'll tell you where they can find us. And this was the other thing that you decided to do this week, I might add. You redesigned, or uh, we, you... I got hired the- somebody <laughs> to redesign middleagesrecovery.com. Yeah, we're working which looks, on it. Oh, is it not out yet? Well, it's out. I'm just still it making little It looks pretty darn shoes. good. You like it? If you go to... Remember how like you guys would go to the mobile, uh, you know, this website on uh, on your phones and it would look like absolute weird stuff that was going on there? Now try it. Just go it's and cool. look it up. It's very cool. Um, um, yeah. So you can find us at middleagesrecovery.com. Super easy to listen on there too. It is. There's a pl- there's a player, so you don't even have to go to you know a podcast app. You can stream it right from your phone. Um, you know, and of course, we're still available in the usual places like Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Uh, come hang out with us, get show updates, meet other monsters. There's funny memes, the latest news and views uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now uh, in the 
as we mentioned, the Inner Sanctum at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages, one word. Um, please join our recovery support and Munster Hangout Den on the private Facebook group found on our public-facing page under Groups. We also have weekly RMA recovery meetings chaired by the great G-Money Smooth uh, and the lovely and talented Aaron Moore on alternating weeks or as they deem it necessary. <laughs> That's good. Uh, if you're having trouble finding it, please email me, uh, Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com for details, and I will send you the top secret Zoom codes mm. uh, so you can get on. Cool. Uh, great reviews will be read on the air. Uh, so if you guys could go on Apple Podcasts and drop us a five-star, we'd appreciate it. We're still clawing our way up the ladder uh, on Apple search terms and the front page. We want to get on the front page. We want to be the number one recovery podcast in America. For and middle-aged people or like for yeah. all people? I well, think- we're niche, but not really. There's yeah. something here for everyone. And I think if you ask some of our more younger uh, um, RMA monksters like Ryan and uh, I don't know, who else is young? Um, he's the one that's the youngest. And I actually have a message from uh, Ryan oh. that he wrote. Um, I, I was talking to him last night. He's, he's doing great in rehab. As awesome. you guys know, Ryan is a, a younger monster who we encourage to try and you know get into recovery and he got this opportunity to like go to florida and get into a program for real and he did it and so we're really supporting him and trying to be there for him and uh i asked him i said is there anything you want to say to the monsters uh for the new year's special and he sent me this yo this is ryan from chicago the dude in rehab who posts selfies of various body parts and (laughs) updates on the shit show that is (laughs) <laughs> my life and treatment in South Florida. The truth is, I'm doing infinitely better than I was 30-something days ago when I was in Chicago, screwed up on a smorgasbord of substances. A smorgasbord. I love it. Uh, that that, that, that uh, tailors into Chicago's, you know, uh, German and oh, Slavic does, heritage. Does it? Right? Oh, it's no, funny. I'm, I'm just I bet you it does. <laughs> I don't say smorgasbord that much. He says, Not that much. He continues to say, I need to constantly remind myself of the hell that I have come from when I get caught up in petty grievances here. With that being said, having just got through the holidays, it was somewhat of a somber mood here as I was missing my family and feeling full of deep shame and regret. Uh, That's the alcoholic addict condition in the beginning, I suppose, and I took the punches as they came. Every day, however, the clouds are parting and I'm feeling more and more human. Love that. Uh, more clear every day. Little things fill me up with gratitude right now, like being able to look people in the eye when I talk, being able to laugh and speak in complete sentences. And I'm noticing that, Ryan. This is well-written, you know, compared to the previous uh, messages. Compared to your slightly off-key rendition of uh, recovery in the news. I thought it was perfect. (laughs) Uh, Then he goes on to say, it's weird, though, because I also feel as if I've reached the end. Not the end of my Jesus, life. not the end. Jeez. But the end of an era. <laughs> oh. As if my youth... As an error? Era. Yeah, or an error. The end of an error. And then he says, as if my youth has been swept out from under me and sh- and shit is finally real. Welcome to middle age, yeah. Ryan. And you thought you weren't a middle aged man. No, here you go. I spent many years living in fantasy and future-based thinking, always thinking of what my life could be. And that gave me a sense of peace and tranquility, even in my darkest moments using. Those projections in my mind never came true, and all of a sudden, I feel I've been smacked with reality. A sober man in his mid-30s now, it feels as if it was all a lie. It's as if my ego and perception of everything has been stripped down to nothing. 
Uh, it feels awful and apocalyptic, but at the same time, I, uh, I think God or the universe or whatever intended it to be this way. Now with nothing, I can rebuild my life from scratch. And given I stay within the parameters of sobriety and seek out a life of meaning and purpose, maybe I can find what I have been searching for and thought I had found in substances. I love you guys, the show and the community. It's truly been a part of my new foundation and I'm honored to be a part of it. Have a blessed fucking new year and keep your heads up always. Much love, Ryan. Holy shit. Yeah, that's great, man. So he's really uh, he just made a lot of progress in the last few weeks. And he spit this out in know, like, a few weeks, he wrote that in months. like five minutes. Like yeah. last time I was like, hey, would you want to write something? And he came back with that. That's great. I mean, it's amazing, you know, the transformation. I mean, we don't even know you on a daily basis type of thing, but just knowing you the way we do... Everybody sees a difference, right? You're doing so good. Keep it up. Yeah. And next time you're in New York, I will get you a bagel and locks. Uh, and maybe we go to Katz's. Maybe we go to Katz's. Yeah. I've been, I've been really angling for a trip to Katz's for a while. Let's do it. I actually sent some Katz's to my, my in-laws uh, oh, for really? Christmas. They- I sent them a box <laughs> of like, like a deconstructed uh, pastrami and corned beef sandwich. That's funny. They probably talked to Dave when they ordered it. That's um, also he, funny. He takes the uh, the orders, I think, or customer service. Uh, so, thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. That's one way you can you know send us uh, a message. Another way would be to call the RMA hotline uh, at five one six eight 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 six two nine seven. We're going to leave that up all year, and that's if you don't feel like typing out uh, your story, you can just leave it in a voicemail. You know, we have all different ways for you to communicate with us. Uh, and of course, the best way to help the show is to share the show with a friend. If you get something out of it, share the love and help grow the movement. Yes. So, um, don't we have a couple our, of voicemails? Yes. Our Christmas show uh, last week, um, a couple of people called us right after we recorded. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we? Oh, first, a correction. We need to issue a correction. Okay. Do you do you know what this correction is? I don't remember. Um, well. The uh, Google Voice translated oh, yes. Maya's name as Mariah. Oh, Mariah. So uh, apologies to Maya, right? Because right, Maya. We know you're not Mariah, so we apologize for that. Yes, and I blame Google. Google robot. apologizes for that. Yes. You know, that's you know they they transcribe it, and it's not always right. I'm assuming they got this one right um, because this one is from Corey from the eight four three. Yeah. So let's see. Hey guys, this is Corey. Uh, I've uh, listened to all the podcasts, member of the private Facebook group, as well as the Patreon group, uh, which is awesome. I'm loving it. I'm calling to leave a message for the uh, for the Christmas hotline if, if I'm not too late. So anyway, uh, as far as um, recovery method and a little bit about me, I had seven years of sobriety up until 2016, relapsed, and been kind of in a cycle of that ever since. Um, I originally went back to my recovery method uh, prior to that seven years um, and found that that was no longer working. So I've kind of um, gotten into this idea of the alt-recovery, um, which I, I really like, kind of open and um, being open to other ideas for recovery and kind of finding out what works for me. Um, one thing that has been hugely helpful has been the show. The RMA podcast is awesome. I, I relate to it probably more than uh, any other show that I listen to. Um, you guys do an awesome job of uh, bringing some humor into a normally um, or what can be a dark and really difficult 
subject. Um, so I, I very much enjoy and appreciate that uplifting. And, uh, um, so I'm, I'm also, uh, yeah, like I said, participating in the, um, private Facebook group, the Patreon group. I'm also a member of Recovery Elevator, which I've enjoyed. Um, I'm working the 12 steps with a sponsor, but I'm not going to in-person meetings. I'm not, um, I'm, you know, like I said, using RMA, Recovery Elevator, other methods, but the 12 steps with a sponsor slash mentor has been very helpful me to me in, uh, early sobriety. So anyway, that's been great. And, uh, I've been, uh, um, enjoying the show and looking forward to what's to come and this whole Patreon idea and putting out more shows and all that stuff is uh, very exciting. I know um, big things to come. So anyway, just uh, wish everyone in the RMA, uh, RMA community a Merry Christmas and I will uh, see everyone in the uh, Zoom meetings and on the Facebook page. Good night. All right. That's it. Corey's been awesome. He's like the guy in the group that um, he, I think he's been at our recovery meetings and he is really active in the, the Facebook private group and he, he's a patron. And uh, I always get a lot out of his uh, shares. He's really positive and um, yeah. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was great. We appreciate it's always it. great uh, to see you participating in the Facebook and everything. Yeah, and Patreon, we've been, we appreciate it. And we get to know him a little better on the Discord daily, so it's pretty cool. Thank you, Corey. Cool. Uh, this next caller is from 413, and I don't see a name here, so yeah. maybe super anonymous. I don't know. Okay. Well, should we just play it? Let's play it. Let's see what play happens. It. Let's see what happens. Hi, Mike, and that's Hope. And oh, it's Hope. Oh, Hope. Okay. I'm calling Didn't your hotline. I hope. Um, I just really want to say thank you for your podcast and the Facebook group and your advice. I've laughed. I've cried. And it's just really encouraging uh, to hear people who are, well, in the same boat, I guess I could say. But Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your families, and I look forward to 2022. Thank you. Bye. That was great. Thanks. Ah, I'm so glad that that she called in. She's she's also on the groups, and it's been great getting to know her too. And thank you so much. Yeah, 2022 is going to be uh, it'll be great. Let's I, hope so. Listen, when people come to my store and I tell them I'm closing, and they get this. Hang dog, look. They look you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, this is great. I'm like, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, things are about to get so much better for, for me and my family. And I've got so many big plans. And um, listen, this thing has run its course. Um, I know well, people liked it and everything, but it's just, it's time. What slogan comes to mind? Do you, do you think like, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs? Mm. Or <laughs> maybe something more positive. Yeah, I can't like, think the of the future's so bright. I gotta wear shades. Gotta wear shades, or out with the old, in with the new. Yeah, I like that. I don't know why I feel like I need to attach How about, idiomatic expressions. Just to, do it. Just, just do or, it. Or if nothing changes, nothing. We could use AA yeah. ones. Nothing, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. changes. Uh, yeah, one time I had a therapist whose only 
her only credentials was she was 40 years in AA and had some certification or whatever. And so her whole sessions with me would be... Just throwing those at Yeah, me. just bromides from AA. And one time, you know, I was giving her a big problem that I was having. I was really struggling. And then she just looked at me dead in the eye like she was about to drop a serious whiz bomb. Uh-huh. Right? She goes, Nat, if nothing changes... Nothing changes. <laughs> and I was like, you lost. Me. How much am I paying you for this? <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. Good night. You know, so. Um, Although, you know, along the lines to that one, the one that I do like is uh, in order to change your life, you, you have, have to change, to your, change wife? your life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that too, right? It like, rhymes with life. But yeah. yeah. They're just saying the same thing with different inflections. Is, yes. That's wisdom right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It's a truth, though. Yeah, you know, sure. If you don't change your life, your life is not going to change. If you don't like, you can spend years thinking about not drinking. Or it's like, what was that line Woody Allen had in, uh, was it Annie Hall when he goes, um, yeah, New York, I've been thinking about leaving. I've been thinking about leaving for 35 years now. You know? <laughs> and if you never leave, you know. You never leave, you never always... leave. My favorite quote from his is in Deconstructing Harry, where he's got this, con- his sister converted to like a more, like conservative Jewish um, sect or whatever, where it's all orthodox. And he was, you know, an atheist Jewish guy. And she said, you know what, Harry, your problem is you're a self-hating Jew. And he said, yeah, I I might hate myself, but it's not because I'm Jewish. (laughs) And uh, I love that line. I love that line. Or uh, he he took a line from a famous comedian who I can't remember his name. And he said something like, I I would never want to be a part of a a club... what would have me as a member. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. another good one. Uh, that's a good one. Because <laughs> um, that's how I feel. But I mean, I guess it, just to, to sort of, you know, square the circle, it's like, this is the time of the year where people renew things, right? But subscription. You can always, yeah, subscription. You can always think about changing. Like I thought about stopping drinking for 30 years. Yeah. You know? In the South, they call and it you, fixing. But you can always like just put it off for a couple days or say, oh yeah, next week, tomorrow. Next week. I'm fixing to think about doing yeah. it. And then if you don't do it, and then, you know, all of a sudden, decades go by. You know? Yeah. So, so don't let you got to make this. a change, make the change now. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a little uncomfortable, but just do it anyway. If you don't stand up, you don't stand up. You see that? You can do it with <laughs> yeah, anything. You can do it with anything. Uh, send your uh, ridiculous bromide to my car at middleagesrecover.com. <laughs> what is it? If you don't drive your car... You don't drive your car. Yeah. You could do it with anything. Yeah. So you can have drop a whiz bomb any time of the day. Just say the same thing twice with a different inflection and you mm-hmm. got it. Where are we on the outline? I think life update. Holy Christmas crackers. Yeah. Um, COVID Christmas. We had a <laughs> crazy weird Christmas and this happened after we recorded the last show. Yeah. Literally like a few minutes after. <sighs> So, yeah, many of you may know that um, we had a big Christmas planned at my house. Uh, about 15 of our closest family members were coming over. The house was decked out. My wife had bought 15 bottles of wine and champagne. Wow. And uh, a ton of these filet mignon that we got from the butcher, as my mother-in-law Where's the calls butcher? It. I don't know. My mother-in-law's got this um, Polish butcher. Ooh, she Polish says, butchers are the best. got to go to the Polish butcher. The meat is so tender. We always give her a hard time about dropping our R's at the end of words. It's funny. Um, and so, okay, two days before break, you know, my oldest son, he's in the sixth grade, and uh, he wasn't feeling great. But 
he had just gotten his second vaccination. So when he was like sniffling a little bit, we're like, ah, he's probably, he doesn't have it's it. It's the you thing. Know. It's the, eh, the side eh, effects from the vaccine. Sure. That right. don't exist. And, or maybe they do. They, I mean, I so, was not flat on my ass for yeah, two days. I had about a day. So it does happen. Um, so we were like, fine. But I guess he was, I don't know, really sneezing or it was just bad. And the nurse calls us. Got to pick him up. This is two days before break. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got him tested. Lo and behold, he has COVID. So what happens now? A whole cavalcade of consequences happen, especially because it happened at school. So now well, the first one was you called me and you're like, Noah just tested positive. And I'm like, I just spent two hours in a room with you. Yeah. So I rounded up the kids and went down to the same testing place that you, that Noah and Christine did literally two hours later. And we all got tested. Yeah, we were all negative. And, and anyway, this is how it spread. This is how it spreads. And not only that, my younger son had to stay home from school and, and isolate. Mm, and, uh, I'm sure he was crushed. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> and at first, Noah was really upset. He's like, I ruined Christmas. And I'm like, Noah, I know oh, you pretty well. And you are going to have the best Christmas ever. Okay. And um, he ended up having the best Christmas ever. But um, it was just really hard, you know, telling all of our family, this is the time of year we couldn't even go to church. Mm. Um, and I really look forward to that. I know some people don't get church or they don't like it or it's, it's, it's different for everybody. And it's really like a family to me. I mean, I grew up in that church. We don't sit around wagging our finger at people who don't like believe it's not that kind of thing. It's more like just a group of people who want to do right by other people and, you know, make the world a better place. That's really what it is. You know, but that's just our, that's just us. I don't, I can't speak for the Episcopals across the street. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> they do the same thing I don't know what just they do. with, uh, with, with nicer bells. Right. <laughs> um, and, and the, uh, the Episcopal church actually has the AA meetings that I used to go to. Mm. Um, in any case, it was just so canceling it and just the, the letdown of, um, you know, not having that Christmas, especially after building up to it. You know, it's like getting Christmas blue balls. Like I'm ready to go. It's going, and then wow, boom. right? <laughs> that's that's something, man. That's an analogy. But it makes um, sense. It, I guess yeah, it makes sense. I mean, so there was no way for you to achieve any sort of release this no, Christmas, no. Um, <laughs> because to me, like if that had happened to me, my sense would have been an overwhelming sense of relief. Well, that I did not have to engage in all the social obligations yeah. and everything. But I mean, I, and I was thinking that at the time that we went down to get tested, like maybe this is my way to get out of Christmas oh, Eve man. and having my sister fly up from Florida. No, I'm kidding. I mean, we ended up having a very nice visit, but, um, but you know, that part, there is a part of me that wants to just, yeah, like lock the door, pull the blinds down and that's it. You me know, too. and I was feeling that, but feeling guilty for feeling that. Right. You right. Know? I would have felt guilty too. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was it was okay. We had a great Christmas. Um, my wife is going a little crazy being because she had to stay home from school too. Oh and yeah. I continued to work this whole week while mm-hmm. she was off with the kids, and they couldn't even have kid friends over. She couldn't take them anywhere because of quarantine. Did you were allowed to because you're you double double vax plus? I'm boosted. Well, you're vaxed, vaxed and boosted, and I have zero symptoms. My wife right. didn't get sick. I didn't get sick. Uh, nobody tested positive. Um, you know, but the kids had a great Christmas anyway. You know, a couple of our family visited from afar. They literally <laughs> threw presents at the front door and ran away. Quite literally. Yeah. They ran up, dropped it, and then they stood <laughs> like my brother came with his kids. Oh, great to see my nephews. My uh, One of my nephews is, uh, he's like a tennis star. And my other one is like a, a swimming star. And the two of them, they're super sports kids, but they're such great kids. And they came 
And we, you know, Merry Christmas. And a couple of them were just behind the glass door. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They didn't want to come in. I felt like I was in prison. I'm like, we need a phone, you know, back and forth. But, you know, the kids got... At least you had like 20 pounds of filet mignon to eat. Yes, and we froze it. So uh, we've been able to chop a little off and, um, you know... (laughs) Just gnaw off at the end of the filet. Yeah. Well, what what about your Christmas? Yours went forward, right? You didn't have a COVID Christmas. No. I mean, we all had a COVID Christmas, but... (laughs) It's funny you should say that. Um, we did not. I mean, my sister flew up from Florida with my niece, and I hadn't seen them since my dad's funeral several years ago. So that was nice getting caught up. We actually had a very nice visit. Um, we went to the Museum of Natural History to see the dinosaur bones and all that stuff. And I love they that place. Recently opened the halls, reopened the halls of gems and yes. minerals, which is very. Uh, I was at the new one before. <laughs> you know, uh, it's so cool. And yeah, I, it's cool. I love that. I used to go uh, as a kid too, so it takes me back. It was it was not a hit because what? Well, the museum was, but yeah. the halls of gems and minerals was not a hit. Wow. I mean, how do you compare with Titanosaur? Yeah, with like a bunch of shiny rocks. Really, true. well, I like gems and minerals. I'm a fan, but you know, and we saved it till the end of the day, which may not have been the best thing to do. Close the show with the gems. It makes sense. Yeah, you want the glittery stuff. But it was it was nice. But but the museum itself was freaking me out because I had all this COVID in my head. You know what I mean? Like you know, you you guys had you know, got knocked down. Half the people in our town seem like yeah. they have COVID. And so then I'm walking around in New York City and nobody in the museum is like taking it seriously, you know, and well, that's you go problem. to the cafeteria and everyone's got the mask off and everything, you know, whatever. I mean, you can have different opinions on the efficacy of masking, but it certainly seems that New York has been regripped by the, the, the fear of, of the COVID yeah. monster, yeah. except like in the museums and stuff. But anyway, that was great. Um, we had another few days of uh, visiting. That was fine. Um, and then I took every, we took the family down to Philadelphia for a couple of days you eh. know, just to get out of town. I used some Marriott points that I had saved up from uh, when I used to travel for work. And we got a room at the Ritz, nice. Carlton. It was actually kind of a shitty hotel. Was it shitty? Yeah, I was a little disappointed. Is that like the Milford Plaza? where Not that shitty. Where the, <laughs> they use the word plaza in the name, so you yeah. think maybe it's a nice hotel. It's, yeah, no, 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 no it's, it's the not. Milford Plaza. But I mean, you know, our room wasn't ready at 5 p.m., and like then they put us on different floors. Uh, to, to, <laughs> I was like, you know, whatever, guys. And then, you know, it took a half an hour to get the car out of the valet, which was $60. I mean, you know what? It, it, the hotel was like we barely spent any time there, right? right. We went to another two museums. Anthropo- uh, U-Penn's so, Anthropology Museum, and then we went to the Museum of the American Revolution. So cool. Aaron and I got to go out by ourselves to get Ethiopian food. We let the kids order room service and stay back at the hotel. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a, it was a really nice couple of days. A lot of driving, though. Yeah. You know, but uh, but we had, a, we had a good time. And then we get back, and this morning, um, my wife tells me that one of our relatives uh, has COVID for the second time. She had gotten it early on, in the pandemic, really bad. Needed like oxygen she and vaccinated? everything. Yes, interesting. And boosted. Interesting. And she got sick. This and she time? got it again. But and she's sick. She became very hundred and two fever. The whole the whole nine. How old is she? Thirty. What? Five, I think. Ugh. Yeah. Man, that's what scares me. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, we did the count. We did the count back, and I don't think there was any exposure to us from Christmas Eve. Wow! You know, so I'm not all that concerned. But it just seems like everybody around me is getting yeah. hit, and we're like kids are getting bobbing hit. and weaving, trying to avoid the COVID streams. Yeah, uh, Aaron and Ben. Ben's actually going to get a second shot for the vaccine today, okay. and Aaron's getting her booster today. 
But that means they're both going to be like out of commission tomorrow, probably. Well, so. only if you project that into the universe. <laughs> See, every time I'm not feeling good at this past week or so, yeah, uh, and I start to go down that road, like, oh, maybe I have COVID, I immediately change my thinking and say, no, I'm fine. I will be fine. All is well. <laughs> and I'm using my magical thinking to just will myself to, to feeling good. Well, I told you who else has the COVID, right? My buddy. Oh. I don't want to name him, but... Yeah, yeah, he's a fan of the show, yeah. or used to be. Yeah, um, at least he is in October and probably January. Right, <laughs> So dr- dry January. So yeah, so I, I dropped a... He wasn't sure if he had it, so I, I actually had an extra COVID test, and I dropped it at his front porch and backed away slowly. <laughs> well, COVID uh, tests are impossible to come by, too. Um, and I have a couple somewhere in my house, and I don't know where it is. Um, but like this, this COVID thing, it, you know me, I like, I like structure because I'm so unstructured and I'm so scattered and so disorganized. I need the world around me to be structured. This mm. is why I go berserk when things happen like uh, COVID, for example, <laughs> right. or, um, you know, my kid stays home sick. I'm screwed up. I, I'm off my game. And so, you know, this year, part of my like you know, there, there's a daily schedule that I need, and then there's an annual schedule. Things should happen, you know, like clockwork. You know, every September, I need the kids to be in school. You know, every, you know, that whole thing. So Christmas Eve, everything was upside down this year. You know, I usually we have some really nice stuff that we do. We'll go out with one of our cousins for dinner, maybe New Year, uh, Christmas Eve. We do the oh. church service mm-hmm. after uh, and then, you know, it's just like a whole thing. We see my parents. And, uh, and so this year, it, you know, we tried, I just made the most of it, you know, and I'm always like cheerleading my family when things go, right. go sour. I'm like, it's okay, guys. Like, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. I just say it until it happens. There's Nat with that positivity again. <laughs> I'm just trying, <laughs> you know, because it's so easy to get down about it. And it's like, you got to fight the feeling, man. You got to, um, and so I, we did church on Zoom on my TV and, um, you know, I made, you know, we all sat there and watched it and, um, it's just, I don't know. We watched Christmas movies and, um, it was nice. I don't know. We made the most of it and Christmas morning, you know, uh, the kids got some cool gifts and I've been playing with their gifts this entire week. Yeah. The number one gift is the PS5, which I miraculously wrangled from a neighbor who accidentally bought two, according to her. accidentally buy two PS5s? I think it has to be bullshit. Um, it sounds like a tall tale. But, and it, I got it for like way less than it's being sold for. And it's awesome. Good. And we had a great time. But um, my, um, you know. I had an interesting experience on Christmas Eve, you know, we had a bunch of people at the house and one of them was my father-in-law who I think I've mentioned on the show before has like 30 some odd years in AA. But you guys never, never talk talk about about it. it. (laughs) Except we're sitting in the room in front of the fire and uh, I think I started talking, we started talking about anxiety and, you know, he suffers from a little bit of generalized anxiety and we were talking about that and I said, you know, I said, my anxiety level really went down when I quit drinking two and a half years ago. And it was like, I had just opened a door and he just walked right through it. And he started telling me all these stories about wow. what, ha- you know, how he used to drink and, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> what happened like the week before he got sober. And then, then, really? he, and then he started going off on like, yeah, and I was driving, trying to meet my drug dealer up here uh, and this whole thing. And I'm like, I record it. No, uh. I, and I had never heard any of this stuff. And, uh, so he just kind of, 
you know, bent my ear. It was wow. like we had like a little mini meeting there in the living room. That's weird. Um, That's so cool though. And I told him, yeah, you know, my friend and I, we started this podcast and it was like nothing. Like, I don't even, I don't know if he like listens to it or doesn't know what podcasts are. Probably doesn't know what I think that's probably more like, but anyway, I really appreciated the share and it was nice, you know, having that level of communication. He's a great guy, you know, always super supportive of, uh, of the family and everything. And he works like a dog and he's your father-in-law, right? Yeah. Aaron's Aaron's right. Right. Interesting. Good man from all angles. Um, now that's the magic of Christmas, Mike. There's <laughs> something. It's the magic. Yeah. I'm always looking for the magic, and I feel like that was magical. Yeah. Um, the, it, was, it was good. It was great. Yeah. You know, it was sad but relaxing. Um, one thing that uh, came to mind is that um, my wife's mother and sister are not married. Um, my mother-in-law is, is a widow. Wife's mother and sister yes. are not married. Not to each other, and okay. nor to right. another person. I was person. confused for a minute. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're alone, quote unquote. Um, and I was just, it occurred to me that, you know, loneliness, especially now, and I know this is obvious, but it's just something that popped out to me because we were, I was listening to my wife talk to them, um, you know, and my wife's sister got COVID really bad. And so on top of being isolated and not like really having a family of her own there in the house, you know, uh, there's a lot of sadness and, you know, sometimes it manifests in being angry at, you know, like a, a family member that does have family in the house. Right. Do you know what I mean? And yes, it's sort of sure. like, it's put, and I understand it. You know what I mean? I get it. I know why they're feeling that way. And I right. feel horrible about it. You know, but it's not like I didn't make uh, humongous sacrifices to be in this situation where I do have a family in my house. Right. Like it's always, the grass is always greener, you know, Um, but it's a real, and and this is why the the holidays uh, can be so dangerous um, for people who, you know, do have substance use disorder or depression. Um, It's because, you know, the, the society and our culture it lifts up these uh, holidays and makes them so big. There's so much pressure. There is. That um, it's easy to feel left out um, because, you know, of course, not everybody's Christmas or holiday will be the same. We all have different... Well, especially yeah. people who are still struggling with their uh, addictions or their alcohol issues. I mean... Yeah, and the, the we, pandemic on top of it, yes. you know. And so, I don't know. Um, you know, if you guys are feeling that way, like nobody's alone out there if you've got you know, uh, a support group. Like one of my, uh, the best examples of this is I have a friend who I grew up with and we didn't hang out at all in high school. I mean, I barely knew him until after college and we keep in touch. Turns out we're both in the program, Mm. Uh, except he's a guy that just didn't get married. You know, he's living basically on his own and stuff, but he dove into his AA groups where he's at. And uh, he really like gets so much socially out of um, going to the meetings and stuff. And it occurred to me, I'm like, that's a really important part of AA. Like sometimes it's enough just to have a social group that you can connect with like that. You know what I mean? And I was thinking how important it is, you know, for him. And he picked up knitting. We were talking about hobbies a little bit. He Hmm. made me a bunch of stuff for Christmas in my whole family. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I got these really nice. um, But yeah, guys, um, yeah, it can be tough. Um, but, you know, that's one of the reasons I want us to stick together on, um, you know, in, in the Facebook group. You can always message uh, me or Mike. Uh, I will respond. 
And um, yeah, but it was, Me a, too. it was a good day, you know. Um, Legos, AirPods. <laughs> I don't know. Did you get anything cool for Christmas that you're like, want to brag about? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I ordered my own Christmas present. And I just told Erin to press the button. I'm like, press this button. And she pressed the order button on Amazon and she didn't know what she'd ordered. But that's fine. But that's fine because I'm, you know, that's the way I am. Um, it was basically just some lighting equipment for photography. So nice. You know. Yeah, so, it was great. So you're just getting the, I got a present for myself that is for the show too. What is it? So, you know, I want to do these Patreon shows like, and in order to do that, oh. we're not always going to be in here. You right. know what I mean? So yes. I needed a good mic that I could just connect to my computer and we could do the video. Thing. Oh. So I got a, a cool, one of those cool um, Yeti blue mics. So. I thought you were going to tell me that the, the Christmas present you got yourself for the show was that swanky suit you were wearing in some of those photos. I forgot about that. Did somebody give that to you or did you buy that your all, all by yourself? And if so, yeah. does the fact that you're colorblind have anything to do with it? Probably has something to do with it. So I've always wanted one of those suits. And uh, every year I see them on Facebook or ads and I'm like, oh, I want one of those suits. Anyway, you should describe it for people that aren't on our Facebook uh, group that don't see the picture because it's really something else. It looks like Christmas wrapping paper on a suit. Yes. And it matches matching tie, blazer, pants. Beautiful. Uh, Green, red. I don't know. I'm colorblind. I think it was Christmas colors. It was. It was definitely Christmas colors. And, uh, And for Christmas morning, I opened up one of my gifts and there it was so <laughs> I immediately and keep in mind no one was coming to the house the whole point was for me to stick around with all of the uh, people visiting us so I put it on anyway for some pictures so I posted some on a group I got some funny comments cool uh, and that was one of my favorite that was one of my favorite gifts so what are we doing I got a I got a text from Grant nervously wondering oh, shit. <laughs> when, when we were going to call him well it's 10 o'clock yeah all right when did when did we say we were going to... Let, let's call Grant now, and then we'll do... Then we can move on, yeah. do this stuff after. Okay, did right. you have the number I sent? Of course. All right. Yeah, I was just so, you know, in my head. I'm like, I got so much on my mind, but we got to bring Grant on. Um, this is going to be cool. Yeah, he's uh, he's worked out a nice list of... Good morning, this is Grant. Good morning, Grant. Grant. This is Mike and Nat. Oh man, sorry. I for, I wasn't watching the time. We were like so engrossed in the nonsense we were talking about, and all of a sudden, Mike's like, "Oh, we got to call Grant." So, well, th- thanks for sending that little text to remind us, Grant. Oh, <laughs> oh happy to. I we're know. just rambling on like we usually yeah, do. Yeah, I I wanted to do an intro for Grant. Um, what did I say here? Oh, so. I don't remember. It, so Grant is the editor-at-large of the RMA Newsroom. He's also G-Money Smooth, moderator on the private Facebook group, and he helps us a ton, and he, you know, he's always aggregating these news and, and views on his website, SoberLiningsPlaybook.com, and I'm just happy to have you, Grant. How are you? I am great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, no, this is great. So Nat reached out to me yesterday and said, could I put together a little summary of what's happened this year? I may have been panicking a little about the show. I do that sometimes. <laughs> do you plan at the last minute? Not usually, but you That's know, me. this I do week, that. you know, Mike was on his tour and I'm like, I want to do something special. And I just, I'm like, Grant's going to know what to do. You know, <laughs> anytime I'm like, let's see if Grant has any ideas. And of course... He has plenty of ideas. 
Good ones. All right. So we got this outline. How do you guys want to do it? Do you want to just ask questions and kind of go down it, or do you want me to just well, have the floor for a little bit? Or? What are we what listing? Is, why don't you take the floor for a little bit? Because yeah, we'll I, a lot happened this year, you know, in, in with respect yeah. to news, uh, recovery in the news, and so forth. Uh, and you made a nice uh, list of the top stories and headlines of 2021, and maybe we should take a look at some of those and, and, and kind of talk through uh, what we feel about uh, right. what happened. So, so I'll just go, and you two jump in and interrupt. Oh, don't worry, do. we will. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. We're good at that. So I would say the first two are kind of alliterative headlines, Sackler, Suck, and Suck Fentanyl. So... Um, you know, the bit, one of the big stories is the opioid litigation, and there's lots of litigation going on against the pharmacies, against Johnson & Johnson, McKinsey, the consulting firm that helped Purdue. But the one that everybody's really watching is the Purdue and then the Sackler bankruptcy deal, which we thought was kind of wrapped up with the Purdue or the Sackler saying, we're giving up ownership, uh, we're going to pay $4.5 billion and and uh, and be shielded from further loss civil lawsuit. So that was just tossed out this week. Yeah, I saw that the 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 court rejected that. Shoot. Yeah, so the um some of the states objected and then a new I I'm not totally up to speed because it's a new development, but it looks like another bankruptcy judge, federal judge said that this I don't know. I'm not going to go into legal terms, non-debt or something. Uh, but this this release wasn't kosher and yeah. so parties go back and, and look at this again and it's, it's you know it's two years in the making probably this settlement um, but they have to go back to the table and see if they can work something out so in the meantime all the litigation is on hold yeah uh, against purdue yeah i mean all the litigation is going to be on hold because of the bankruptcy stay and, and to see if they can kind of hash out a deal. But, uh, you know, it's, it's noteworthy what's not in being considered in this deal. I guess bankruptcy is really, you know, it's a civil matter, but I, I'd like to know how the Sacklers have sort of eluded criminal prosecution um, and well, why no one's talking about, about, you know, throwing any of them in prison. But, they, they, you know, the fact that they get to walk away with billions of dollars, uh, you know, and, and I don't expect that when they finally, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's on whatever plans uh, finally uh, endorsed by the court, that the Sacklers are going to go away, you know, poor. Because no. that doesn't happen in America, right? right? I mean, no they're going to walk away with money made off the the backs of the, of all the misery they caused. So, so more news from the Sacklers. Yeah, it's like this the story that never ends. You know, until they execute. Just, you know, bankruptcies. You know, it's, it's civil, and so um, nothing in that original deal that just fell through would have shielded them from criminal prosecution. But, mm-hmm. you know... <laughs> but who's, you know, who's indicting? You know, where, where are the indictments? Yeah. You know, where, where's yeah. where's um, Merrick Garland's Justice Department uh, drawing up, you know, uh, charges against the Sackler family? You know, considering that the... Yeah. the, the and not to get overly political because everybody takes money from the pharmaceutical industry. Yes, but, they do. You know, if you take a look at, uh, you know, who's, who, who takes the most money from the pharmaceutical industry, I think you, you look at some, some blue donkeys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, a famous well. <laughs> radio show host that, uh, that I used to listen to actually said something that I always remembered 
and he was describing, you know, the corruption in politics. And he said, you know, Washington and politicians are, you know, basically shaped and by lobbyists. So what is a lobbyist? A lobbyist is a bribe giver. Mm-hmm. So what does that make politicians? They are bribe takers, and therefore our government is run by bribe takers. Well, never forget, it was Chris Dodd, the Democratic senator from Connecticut, who signed off on the OxyContin FDA approval in the first place, right? Yeah, it's, so. it's just, uh, yeah. So that's the Sacklers. That's always a big story. It was in everything, the dope sick movie. I mean, the, the story that I that really got my attention and continues to uh, is the fentanyl's contribution to the 100,000 OD deaths during the first year of this pandemic. Yeah, that's something. So you're moving ahead. On the- We've, we're moving to fuck fentanyl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could right. talk all show about the Sacklers. Yeah, but, uh, no, that is, that is incredible. When you think about it, um, I mean, 100,000, yeah, we've lost more from the from COVID, but a 30% increase in one year. Mm-hmm. So if you look at homicide or if you look at cost of housing or something, that's pretty significant. And I guess people are talking about it, but it maybe it just feels like it to us because we're <laughs> paying attention to that news. But it, it's huge. And so much of it is attributed to, to fentanyl, which is snuck into much of the supply. Um, you know, and I, I think one of the one of the kind of things that I'm watching and I worry is that you know, we sort of have this narrative with the opioid epidemic of, you know, shifting blame a little bit from, you know, the typical story is the kid who has a sports injury gets on opioids and then gets cut off from the medical supply, goes to heroin and overdoses. And that's pretty sympathetic. And so a lot of the blame has shifted to the supplier. But now with fentanyl in the mix and sort of this you know, there's a real fear because it's really killing people. But then there's also these kind of unfounded fears that just contact with fentanyl is going to, there were two San Diego police officers who said that they OD'd because of it. But, you know, others have opined that it was probably a panic attack and you can't really ingest fentanyl through skin contact. Um, and then now there's lots of calls from prosecutors around the country and Colorado just um, introduced legislation that will be considered in 2022 to, you know, really crack down on fentanyl and bring murder charges to dealers. And, you know, I've heard you support that, Mike, and I get it. We're outraged. But, you know, I just worry about swinging the pendulum away from the, you know, let's look at addiction as a medical and a a disorder that needs to be treated with care um, rather than, and I get it, we're attacking dealers, but it seems like a tough on crime move that is kind of going in the opposite direction. It reminds me of, uh, it reminds me grant of, um, the Venezuelan government. Uh, I think it was Duterte. Am I thinking of the right guy? Who, uh, Philippines, the Philippines where they Philippines. murder, yeah. just straight up execute people accused of being drug dealers. I mean, maybe that's where yeah. the logical conclusion of that thought process is, but we like to think that. Well, we're a I, I think more... that's the, user, the users too in Philippines. So oh, here, cool. I think we're talking about the dealers for now, but yeah, I don't think we're going that direction. But, well, uh, I, I think, yeah, um, it, it is. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my feeling on that is, is this, I mean, you have to, if you're going to bring something like that to bear and, and I think there's a space for law enforcement in this discussion. Um, you have to be extremely careful uh, w- how you apply that law enforcement uh, 
power, right? So if you're talking about a, a, a street dealer or somebody who is an addict who is you know, dealing fentanyl to support their own habit, uh, you can draw a distinction between that and a fentanyl guy in Mexico who is you know, pumping yeah. this stuff out in a factory and sending it to the United States. Your point is well taken because the, the, the federal and the state governments are not known for using law enforcement strategies as a scalpel more like a sledgehammer, right? So yeah. the problem is you're going to catch up all of the small-time dealers who are perhaps only dealing to support their own habits and charging them with murder in cases you know, where it's, it's clearly not warranted. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, too, if the small dealers even know that they're dealing fentanyl. Like, right. how far down well, the yeah. supply chain before somebody knows what's in the product? Right. But that, that takes it, uh, Grant, I know you listen to uh, Joe Schrank on Rehab Confidential, and if you do, um, his views on it are the safe supply thing, you know, where if, if it was regulated in the way that alcohol is, and he makes great comparisons to prohibition and how people were dying from the, the bathtub gin type stuff, right. m- moonshine. Once we, you know, of course, alcohol is a scourge on our society, but he's saying that if there was a safe supply. Right. So, I mean, what do you think about the safe supply thing? I know we're getting in the weeds here. But the Dr. Carl Hart uh, Well, yeah, he takes approach. It. It's, that was part of his thesis, you know, but um, I'm always interested in, uh, in that because it could work in a way. Yeah, I'm for fewer people dying. Right. Yeah. Let's say right. that. However we get there. Um, yeah, and it's really hard. People give out these fentanyl test strips, but because it's so potent, you can, you know, apparently, I don't know, but you can put the test strip in one part of the supply and not catch the few molecules that are sitting in the other part. So um, it, it's spotty to give the user the test strip and, and hope that you got it. So Yeah. I but mean, I don't know if we'll ever move to the direction of safe supply. Well, um, this year, well, I'm just going to say that, you know, if you look at the example of prohibition, you could look at that in a couple of different ways, right? Um, Alcohol still kills 100,000 people a year and has for every year in this country. So So you're already dealing, you're already dealing with, with, you know, some, you know, but uh, prohibition was effective at reducing the number of alcoholics and uh, people who suffer from alcohol use disorder. Because when you restrict yep. the supply, went down. Yeah, when you restrict the supply, you restrict the number of people who have access. And when you restrict the number of people who have, have access, you have less um, alcohol related issues. Hmm. So, I mean, yep. you know, well, harm reduction is actually a big thing that was moving forward in 2021. So it's like, that's the, on the next on our list. It actually is a good segue. Yeah. There's been a lot of positive developments in harm reduction uh, this year. Uh, um, and yeah. you've got some here. Yeah, I think some of them, you know, some of the marquee ones are the overdose prevention programs, also called safe injection sites, where you have a place where people can use, bring their own supply and use in the care or watchful eye of medical professionals and have, you know, they could get referrals to treatment there. You know, pretty controversial because people see it as enabling. But um, so Rhode Island passed a bill this year that would allow for that. It still has to, you know, they've got to develop regulations for it and get counties and local jurisdictions to agree to it. Philadelphia has set up a site, but I think that's tied up in federal court. California had a bill 
um, Senator Scott Wiener here, who's really been an advocate for a lot of harm reduction measures. Um, but that bill got held up in the Assembly, even though it passed the Senate. And then New York City, as you know, went ahead and did it. And I think there may be two um, kind of Harlem-y area. area. Yeah, one's and, in Washington Heights you know, and I think, one's in uh, okay. Harlem. And I think de Blasio's gamble is probably that Biden's administration is talking about harm reduction. So let's see if the federal government actually moves to shut them down. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. So at least, you know, the conversation's moving forward that maybe there are ways to, to keep people from dying. And then the other thing that I keep seeing in the news is more stories about how to spread naloxone or the name brand Narcan, the, um, you know, the overdose medication that you can give to somebody to immediately stop an overdose and get them breathing. And uh, libraries across the country, I even read about one in Utah, um, they're starting to stock it. California had some laws for public universities and community colleges would stock it. Treatment centers need to have it. So, um, And then the, the Oregon ballot initiative that you talked about on one episode to decriminalize and, um, you know, have a lot more services for treatment. So, and between all of that and the Biden administration at least giving a nod toward harm reduction as the direction they'd like to go, now I think that's that's positive and that's different. You'd think the, that with uh, Hunter Biden uh, being his son and being vocal in addiction, that he should be more sensitive to it. Yeah, you would think, but Joe Biden's got to listen to a lot of people yeah. in the job he's got. Yeah. So his son is just one voice among many. But yes, I've heard that uh, Joe Frank make that very point. It's noteworthy uh, that the uh, the um, program in New York City, the safe injection site, has now reversed fifty six ODs since they've been open. What have they been open about a month and a half? So that's fifty six yeah. people who are alive who would not otherwise be alive. Um, that's something. Yeah, it is something, and and those you need more of that, and and I'm not sure why people are so opposed to it um, in general because it's very hard to get these. I mean, Philadelphia, where I recently was, I mean, there are a lot, awful lot of people nodding out on the streets of Philadelphia. I saw them with my own eyes over the last couple of days, and uh, you know, I I don't know. It seems just like yeah, a compassionate I mean, I thing fighting, to do. Yep. Fighting them is a hard, hard sell, probably. I mean, uh, right. you know, there's a NIMBY issue, too, and of we've course. seen that with um, needle exchanges. Here in California, we had a law this year that exempted um, needle exchanges from what we call our California Environmental Quality Act, um, which is often used to stop developments that people don't like, and there's an exemption for needle exchanges now, and so that shut down recently a lawsuit in Santa Cruz. Uh, Hmm. A needle exchange can go forward there. So, I mean, I think we'd have the same issue with safe injection sites. But. Hmm. Well, let's hope let's hope uh, the opinion coalesces around this as a positive rather than as a negative. Um, but yeah, I have to think if we can get the message that fewer people dying is a good thing. Well, I mean, it seems like a message that work. It would it would seem like that would be a, a way to sell it, but. There are an awful lot of people in this country who don't care whether addicts die or not. Yeah, and I think that's that's the main problem. I mean, how do you how do you get people to overcome the their internal stigma and think like these people who are shooting up uh, heroin or using heroin should just 
die anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, there's, there's not. It's, I don't know. It's uh, well, that's part of like, or, or you get. Yeah, I was gonna say that's I was part, part say of the New York. Sorry, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready, Grant? Go. Okay, um, or you get the the former heroin user who uh, there was an op-ed. I want to say it was in the Daily or the Post or something by a guy who, who you know, total abstinence and his argument as a former user was that that's not you know that's not helpful it's just enabling mm. I thought, well him of all people can you see the benefit of, of saving lives well he survived though right so it's yeah. not <laughs> exactly so yeah. he did it everybody should do right. it his way so now that we're uh, heading into the new year maybe we should talk about the sober curious movement what is that the sober curious. I, yeah. I don't know if I like that term. I don't know. Ever since I heard that, I'm like, oh, it feels, I don't know. It's sober curious, but it's it's big, right, Grant? I, I think so. And I think, you, I mean, there was, um, oh, what was her name? Ruby Warrington, a British author who had a book called Sober Curious, probably 2015 or so. But I would put a lot of people in that camp. And it's basically the, the Annie Grace quote of, you know, you don't need to hit rock bottom. It's just if you're questioning your relationship with alcohol, that's okay. And you can change it or alcohol or other substances. And, you know, I would put, um, you know, Paul Churchill's recovery elevator and, you know, numerous kind of movements out there. The, um, <clears throat> oh, we are the luckiest, um, Laura McEwen, the great author, book. and then Holly. But yeah, no, that is a good book. Um, you know, so it's all these people, and I think there's a lot of millennials, too, saying, you know, maybe it's a, we don't want to be like that other generation, and um, mm. people questioning their relationship with alcohol and not saying, you, you don't have to define yourself as an alcoholic, and, and so um, I think it's great if people have sort of permission, you know, within their friend group, within society to say, you know what, I'm going to choose a different path. Yeah, and it's now so great. we're seeing, you know, it seems like the push for dry January, which I believe started in the UK and sober October. I've always thought dry in July should have some traction. <laughs> it, it has to rhyme. And, uh, it's got to rhyme or it doesn't uh, count. It, it could be alliterative too. Right. You know, but um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. It's got to have a catch. Um, but I think sober October is great. Yeah, dry January, I'm not sure. Well, that's right why now. November is so but, bad for addicts. You know, it doesn't like rhyme with anything. I can't remember November. I can't remember November. I mean, that just sounds like an Alzheimer's <laughs> awareness month, you know? <laughs> well, uh, it, but it's really good. interesting that the, the, the market for, cra- for um, craft non-alcoholic beers has really exploded the last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the, the major yeah, beer companies like the InBevs and everything are... I, you know, somehow or other, I, I get all these ads in my, somehow or other, I get all these ads in my Facebook feed. Yeah, why do I keep getting these penis pill ads? I don't understand. Who, who's, what do they know? Yeah. Um, but I got one for dry, for uh, alcohol-free Budweiser. Uh, and I was thinking, geez, isn't that stuff alcohol-free already? Wow. Okay. But um, it, it was... Um, Didn't like the original version. Yeah. <laughs> just shit. But I mean, that was, but I mean, if Budweiser's putting it out there, and not only that, but they're putting some marketing muscle behind it, 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 it must, they must see that as a expanding market in a way to make money. Well, yeah, sober is the new black, as you know. Um, celebrities are even more out. You never heard that one? I thought sober was the new high. It's the new yeah. high, right? And uh, you're hearing a lot more celebrities coming out about it. 
Um, and I yeah. think one of the things that I was noticing, um, like people like Erin Carr, who um, can't remember the name of her book, but she's a, a, an advice columnist and an addiction expert. She goes on Dopey sometimes. But someone like her, who's kind of on a pedestal as a recovery expert type of person, same thing with Joe Schrank type and Amy Dresner and those people, they're very much like, yes, we, we love AA, we do AA, but listen, that ain't it. You know, that's one tool in your tool, uh, in your tool belt. And, uh, and just being more open about like, yeah, but that's not all I do. Where in the past, you would be like excoriated in the community for speaking out against it and saying there's something else out there. Well, what's interesting to me is that you, there is a tension between the, the youth uh, not drinking movement or the, the kids who are like, I don't want to drink alcohol, so I'm going to drink these mocktails. I'm going to drink these herbal things. I'm going to drink these non-alcoholic beers. And then if they're questioning their relationship with alcohol and they're drinking that non-alcoholic beers and they walk into an AA meeting and somebody's wagging their finger at them saying, no, 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 you know, non-alcoholic beers for non-alcoholics, you know, that right. kind of thing, that's going to turn them off because they're not seeing, they're not seeing addiction the same way because they're not waiting until they, you know, right. hit rock bottom before they start questioning their relationship with alcohol, no, you know, nor should they. I just worry that that same right. generation is going to be a little too blase about the potential dangers of marijuana. I think that's yeah, getting that's a good l- point. I mean, I'm not against marijuana, even in recovery, but I worry that it's being portrayed as too harmless. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in general, like, oh, it's just weed, you know, kids can. D-. And uh, I don't know, Grant, like, do, am I totally off base on that? No, I, I have mixed feelings, um, you know, because it's it's much less harmful than other things. Um, there are studies out, and I've captured some in the news clips that I do that talk about um, the potential for psychotic episodes related to using pot, especially for younger kids. Um, and there's, you know, but at the same time, you know, there is... You know, there's a whole green recovery movement out there. Um, people who are abstinent from alcohol or the other substances they use who maintain with weed. And, um, you know, if that works for somebody, that's fine. You know, you were just talking about um, uh, kind of being less prescriptive. Erin Carr, by the way, her book is strung out. Right, really right. Mm. Yeah, I've read that a couple but, times. I um, love it. But I, I always picture the... the recovery thing like i go to aa meetings don't love a lot about it but it's been super helpful and i think it kind of saved me and i go once a week and but i always talk about the, the recovery buffet you know go keep going back doesn't matter what you choose just choose some stuff careful of the sushi and and keep going back um the other day on dopey facebook page i heard somebody say basically the same thing but instead of the buffet they said i'm a sobriety slut <laughs> um, and so, around. yeah, I would, you know, there is this in the counseling business, there's the, the term, meet them where they're at. So if somebody isn't willing to go total abstinence, okay, um, maybe they're doing something to reduce their harm and maybe it's smoking marijuana. Uh, but, you know, we who think there's a better way abstinence, we can certainly try and show people a path to, you know, meet them where they're at and try and take them along. Can I, can I, can I just talk about this dry January, sober October thing for, for one more second? Um, do you think that that's a good idea? Because I saw an ad, uh, when I was in Philadelphia and it was a billboard and it was advertising, um, it was advertising dry January 
And the tagline for the ad was, it's not forever, it's only for 30 days. And I, and I know a lot of people who I would, not a lot of people, a few people who I would think perhaps should be reevaluating their relationship with alcohol, who every year they do a dry January or they do a sober October. And at the end, they're like, well, did that. I guess I don't have a problem. Boom. Right back to where they were 30 days before. But the fact that they think that they can pull it off for 30 days make them, makes them think that they don't have a problem and it's not something they need to take a look at. So mm. that's the flip side to me of these this sober October business, yeah, you know, maybe or dry January. But yeah, okay. But let's talk that through. If um, so, maybe that person decides, oh, I can do it. So I definitely don't have a problem. Well, you lost them, but um, what if there's a couple other people who say, you know what, I kind of felt better. Yeah. And they they plant that seed, and a couple of years down the line, they think, you know what, I've done it before, and I did feel better. Time to seek some extra help. So. Mm. I don't know who am I to judge, but uh, right, right, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, definitely all of us who've had a history of relapse know that feeling of, oh, I got this. I, I did it <laughs> for right. a couple of weeks. I've done a reset. Now I'm good. Addiction gone. Um, it, it doesn't work. So. I just thought it really. I, I think it's a good thing. It gets them in I the think door. Overall, probably on balance, yes. I just thought it was very weird, and I, and I wish I had t- paid a little more attention to who exactly was advertising mm, because that's the question is that like some kind of um is it like a non was it a non-alcoholic drink company like who would advertise like that it's uh, not forever it's only for 30 days you could, know. could be like one of these associations or a non-for-profit that is trying to put out a good message yeah, maybe it might so. be too pollyanna to believe that that could happen what did um maria zalovitz say how long it takes to to re or not zalovitz who is the the other book that we read the woman uh the the dopamine uh, oh, Anna Lemke, right. She said it takes yeah. 90 days to for your brain to start to rewire itself, right? Uh, so maybe we yeah. should have like dry quarters. Yeah. Like, you know, business, you split, <laughs> yeah. split the year up into like into the business uh, financial quarters. <laughs> what do we rhyme with quarter? You know, um, you can't. So it can't be done. But 30 days just doesn't seem like enough to change a habit. To and me. it's, well, when we see that in the rehab industry, I right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it used to be 30 days in rehab, right? right. But that's what insurance covers. Insurance that's covers less. Yeah. Let me tell you, when I was in inpatient rehab, you know, I had the best insurance too because my wife's a teacher on Long Island. But um, even my insurance, you know, they they have whole departments at rehabs that every I think day or week they check with the insurance carrier who's paying for it, mm-hmm. and if they're saying nope, they've had enough. So really, the insurance carriers are deciding how much rehab is enough, right? Which is fucking insane. Well, I mean, you also have to take a look at the statistics for rehab in general. Well, maybe they should stay longer. Yeah. Maybe 90 days. Right. And they do have 90-day rehabs, but I would never agree to that. And I, Luckily, I was not compelled. <laughs> but that might have done the trick. No. Who knows? Maybe it could have done it. Yeah. I, I, I would, know I needed um, yeah. self-binding. Yeah, <laughs> you know, self, self-binding. And, and that's my, my breathalyzer thing that I'm still doing today. I, I, I think that you know, good solid time of whether it's taking you out of your environment or giving you something like that tool that I have, the breathalyzer, to you know, give you a hard stop and to give you time to rewire those pathways. I think that's important. Self binding. Um, now I don't have the the outline that Grant so meticulously drew up, so I feel like I'm just out of order here. So what is um? Okay, so <laughs> so I'm going to need you to lead. Well, a you know, one of the things. 
one of the other stories, you know, stigma, we always talk about the, the, the harm of stigma keeps us from seeking help. Um, but, you know, I, I do think to some extent that story of the person moving from prescription opioids to heroin has sort of changed the, the narrative somewhat, but clearly there's stigma out there and Shatterproof, the organization that um, aims to increase access to evidence-based treatment for people and reduce stigma through education. They they just did a what they, they're calling their annual stigma index, and they did the first one as a baseline to see year over year are we moving the needle and changing the way that people view people um, who struggle with addiction and who are in recovery. And a couple of the things, I don't have all the bullet points in front of me, but about half or 45% of the people surveyed said they would not want someone in recovery from a substance use disorder as a close friend or to marry into their family. Wow. Um, and more than half of the public would be unwilling to have a person in recovery as their supervisor at work. And that one, it's own for me. Wow. Um, <laughs> because I, I supervise people at work and just, wow, got to keep that on the down low. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I do, I think there's, um, I, I used to, I was a long-term graduate student in sociology and I studied deviance and, you know, stigma also has, it has some social influences. It kind of helped me, um, <laughs> you know, but people, stigma is there because it, it, society's way of driving people in the right direction um, and, and keeping them from harming themselves and others. And there's a reason that some of the activities of addiction um, are stigmatized, stealing yeah. risky things. And, and you know, to some extent that helped me, but I think there's a difference between stigma that's attached to the person, like the moral failing or weak will, versus stigma that's attached to the behavior. Yeah. One can be productive and, and one not and, and um yeah and part anyway, of it's part of it's the anonymity thing that that gets touched on a lot in um anonymous people it was the first time i, I started thinking about yeah. that and how look anonymity is great especially with just what we talked about and maybe because of anonymity uh, you know 12-step programs are able to flourish because people knew that they could come to a place and you know have this sort of protection but the downside is that there's no face to recovery, really. I mean, there's starting to be now, but part of yep. part of breaking that stigma is people like us doing shows like this, and you know, coming out to our friends and family and showing them, like, no, I'm I'm a regular person. I'm I'm he, you know I'm healed. I'm moving forward. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. You know, the word addict or alcoholic doesn't have to be a life sentence and we need to show people that and the only way to do that is to break anonymity uh i think yep you know and that's yeah, no I, I you're right anonymity has a place give people cover and then <clears throat> but there's you know i think we won't break the stigma until people show recovery is possible and i'm recovering out loud um, did you use my last name in the, the show notes? Or we did. You're yes. Welcome to. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Grant Boykin, the <laughs> editor at large of the RMA Newsroom. And uh, Grant, I know you actually have like a meeting or a class or something coming up. So I wondered if you wanted to uh, run down. You, you picked out, and I thought this was a great idea. Well, yeah. The movies I just, and books. Really quickly, yeah. as you talked about recovering out loud, it made me remember celebrities in the news. Yes. Uh, when I first started putting together news clips, I thought, ah, maybe these are kind of 
fluff. I shouldn't include them, but I've come to the realization that it's important to have the celebrity stories out there. Yeah. It sort of normalizes addiction because we see it even happening to successful people. You know, they have a platform to educate, you know. Um, yeah, so totally. I, I do include those. And I mean, the downside is if you're in the limelight and you relapse, like has happened to Ben Affleck, then, you know, I can't imagine going right. through recovery. Yeah. in public but you know a few of those stories this year shikari richardson the olympic runner who was kicked out of the olympic for being positive for thc mm. i can't imagine anyone would argue performance enhancing and then um and demi lovato was a big story too because she raised the question about what is recovery because she was a proponent of you know, what some call california sober which is for her is mixing moderate alcohol with or I don't know if it's moderate, but alcohol and marijuana in as part of her recovery. She's now said, no, absent recovery is the only way for her. I think um, she got a lot so, of blowback for that, didn't she? Yeah. I mean, not, not and not just from the recovery community. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for, for the California sober standard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, she definitely did. And, and that's another type of stigma that I don't think we look at stigma within the recovery community. Yep. Do it my way. No, do it my way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting when I do think we should, um, you know, everyone has to define it for themselves uh, to some extent. Right. Yeah, that gets But to anyway, it. you wanted me to, um, yeah, I do have a work meeting, but it is not until 45 minutes, but I take that as my cue, but you want me to run, <laughs> run through some of the stories that I that I highlighted. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm, you know, I, I thought you had, you know, it was funny because I just sort of asked Grant, to, like, as an aside, like, oh, do you think you, wh- what do you think about the year? And man, he just spit out like <laughs> all this great stuff. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> He's um, definitely got some thoughts because I want to be like, yes, Grant, sure. do the whole show, man. But like, um, yeah, I thought it was, you know, move forward. Right, however, I'll, just, you're I'll do a quick, I'll do a quick ramble, and you guys can jump in if you want to. So. Um, one of the things I do in the news clips is try and find stories on recent research. Um, you know, there's some stuff out there, a steady stream of studies on the health effects of alcohol. You know, not positive. It's all negative. Um, a lot of promising research out there about the use of hallucinogens, um, hallucinogenic drugs to treat depression and addiction. I think that's interesting. And it's not just um, out there. It's respectable research institutions. And um, also, among younger people, college and teens, alcohol use has actually fallen during the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, books, we already talked about Andy Lemke's Dopamine Nation and Maya Salovitz. Um, Salovitz, you don't pronounce the Z. And it's Hungarian name. S-C is one letter. So, you know, right, like in case you have her on the show. Like saliva. Like Sally. Yeah, or saliva. Just quickly touch. She's got a book. I'm sorry. Just I just want to just back up a little bit on that uh, that National Institute of Drug Abuse study where you found that college kids were drinking less. They are smoking more weed, though. Are they not? Yeah. So it was you know 38 percent in 2015 reported smoking weed, and 44 percent. So up 38 to 44 percent between 2015 and 2020. That did increase. But among teenagers, another study found. so younger than college age, um, marijuana use and alcohol fell between, at least this was a one-year low, different study, but 2020 to 2021. So that's so despite the fact the that... All right. it, well, it's despite the fact that there's more access to weed, 
available yeah. to these kids because yep. of the, the greater number of uh, jurisdictions that are legalizing it. Yeah, and uh, I heard that... Um, I mean, they're underage, but that certainly increases access. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard that sales of Doritos at student unions across <laughs> the country are up 150%. Is that true? Did you find that in your research? So if you want to invest Talk in the marijuana that. industry, your your best bet is to open a pizzeria, not <laughs> not sell weed. You make more money selling pizza. Yeah. Bring back the dollar value menu at Taco Bell. Yes. <laughs> All right. So a few other things. Um, you know, movies, TV shows, Dope Sick made a big splash. Everyone should watch that because, you know, it, Loved it. it's well done. It's Michael Keaton, but it also is just powerful and the marketing power that Purdue um, and the Sackler family had. There's a movie called Body Brokers that talks about fraud in marketing and in um, you know attracting clients. Great the film. Great rehab film. industry focused on Southern California. Well, that has gotten some traction. The DOJ has now named Southern California as the rehab fraud capital of the world. We've overtaken Florida in that respect and um, so stay tuned to that. There were some California bills to address that last year. I think there'll be more this year. And there was a little movie, a documentary called Distinta, um, which I don't think it got a lot of press, but I really liked it. It was about a young woman in Portland, Maine, trying to stay clean after prison. And it just... It's really you know, good. It's really good. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, yeah. I did. So, um, you know, it just shows the grip of addiction in, you know, her consequences were losing her child and even then it was so hard and it was this multi-generational look because i won't give it away but you know her mom used and put her in risky situations and so you know kind of depressing to watch but i thought a good one for people who want to understand on the ground what addiction's like um let's see oh life of crime was a big one too um the, yeah, I haven't seen that. That's oh, it's the so good. Ongoing documentary that started late seventies, early eighties. Grant, you Boston. gotta watch that. You gotta watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's so good. It, um, it sounds depressing. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> so many of them are. It is, of course, but it's depressing in the same way that when you, we look at life in general, like birth, death, like it covers their entire existence, like and how addiction and crime and poverty and family dynamics. I mean, it, it just like gives you this bird's eye view and it's like, it is sad, but it, for me, it was more like, a oh, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very, um, really an accomplishment that, that documentary. Right. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to watch it. I started about the first five minutes, and then uh, I hate to admit it, I'm on the Fear of the Walking Dead right now. It's, yeah. all <laughs> it's all right. That's a good show. Yeah. That was my, my pandemic thing, um, was turning to Walking Dead, which I've never seen. But, uh, I don't know. It just seems fitting when the pandemic. What else? You know, looking ahead this year, there's another, you know, we always talk about Carl Hart from Columbia University. There's another Carl in the psychiatry program there, um, Carl Eric Fisher, who's got a podcast, and he's writing a book called The Urge um, it's on the history of addiction, so sort of sweeping for somebody whose uh, profession is psychiatry. Um, I'm looking forward to it because the guests he gets on his podcast are, are good and from a wide range. Really? I, think I should check that out. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, opioid litigation, I think we'll be paying attention to that and how the money is used from all the various settlements, you know, by the states, how they put that to use. Um, 
<laughs> we'll and see. Then, you know, I do have a long list that I just kind of gave you guys um, of, of some of the big stories, a lot of the op-eds and the kind of long-form journalism. You know, it, it seems like too much to go over here. Do you want to put some in the notes? Or if you want to, I don't know if you have a list, do you want me to, how much time do we have? Because it's kind of like you were about to say, this oh, segment's done. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I was thinking, man, I don't want Grant's producer to come on the phone and be like, he's got to go. You know, so I was, yeah, um, let's go over that, you know. Um, yeah, what, what, what do you got? All right, I'll go from recent to, to past. So Maya Solovitz, um, she's featured a lot this year. So she had this piece earlier this month, Opioids Feel Like Love. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it was powerful. And, and the subtitle is That's Why They're Deadly in Tough Times. Read it if you want to understand opioids and, and what it feels like. I once heard on a dopey interview, I forget the guess, but somebody saying, felt like a... a Heroin was like a, a warm blanket, the warmest blanket on the coldest night. <laughs> you know, that, mm. and that fits with descriptions that I've heard. That's accurate. That's so, accurate. Yeah. I don't have that experience. Let's see. Um, she's got another piece in Filter Magazine from November on harm reduction, how key early ideas help shape today's harm reduction. Um, and then... I included an NPR story from November, but you can find num- numerous headlines on this. Drug overdose death in the U.S. had topped 100,000 for the first time. We talked about that. Um, I have the, the link to the press release from Shatterproof on their stigma index. index. Oh, I've got one here. Progress, if not perfection. Mm. Soberlining playbook end of the year that. summary of 20... 20- 2021 California Substance Use Disorder Lead Proposals. Yeah, so I did a, a summary of legislative proposals in in California. And this year I'm going to do more of an interactive, like monthly, here's what's going on and here's how things have been amended or changed. So more of interest for people in, the, in and around the Capitol here in California, but I'm excited about it. Paris Hilton had a bunch of stories, but she had an op-ed in the Washington Post when she came to testify at Congress about the troubled teen industry uh, that needs reform, and you guys talked about that when you Mm -hmm. had Aaron on the show recently. Um, Let's see. Now, there was a piece you actually featured, Mike, in Recovery in the News about liver transplants. Um, It was an NPR piece. That was a good one. you know how they how they figure out the waiting list, and that there's this six month rule for alcoholics, which you know during that period somebody could die, or they could become abstinent, and um, and sort of how the thinking around prioritizing liver transplant. Yeah, it's changing. a coin flip. Either they die, or, yeah. or they get you know <laughs> abstinent. Flipping coins <laughs> or, for addicts. Yeah. yeah, sort of reminds me of. Salem witch trials. If they sink, right? Yeah, the water accepted them, and they were they were not a witch. <laughs> um, let's see. There's a uh, a piece in CNN, an op-ed from Chef uh, TV Chef Andrew Zimmern, um, and it was sort of a thank you note to his sobriety Sherpa, is what he calls him. Yeah, I, I read that when it uh, came out. Very impressive, and it's interesting when you watch his show juxtaposed with Anthony Bourdain's because they were kind of around at the same time. Um, 
But Zimmern was not, you know, drinking his way through all the countries that he went to. He was much, he was, I, I didn't even realize he was in recovery, but alcohol was such like a negligible part yeah. of the show. And you saw you Anthony know. Bourdain's just love affair with alcohol and food and how it went together. And also, I, mean, I no, love Tony. Though, yeah. You know, <laughs> but he, I love those shows yeah. when he died. It was hard. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and he was a reco- an addict to former addict. I think uh, he, wasn't he addicted to heroin? Uh, uh, Anthony Anthony Bourdain was uh, an opiate addict, and and then continued to drink though. Right, and um, you know he also suffered from depression, obviously, and mm. yeah. But Sad. the, the yeah, Zimmerman article, if you guys can find it, it's a re- it's a great read, and uh, you know he's actually a really interesting guy. He's somebody that after I read that. I was like, I wonder if we could get him on the show because maybe he'd be I think really he did, interesting to talk to. Did he do Dopey at some point? Did he? Interesting. I feel like he was on at some point. You know, he was on a podcast, Elizabeth Vargas, the TV, I forget what network she's with, but she's got a podcast called Heart of the Matter, and he was on that at some mm. point this year. So, um, mm. Yes, I can. I love reaching out to famous people and saying, <laughs> you don't know me from Adam, but, you know, so if you want, stick me on the, on him. And talk. Go for it. If you can, if you can get Zimmer and man, that, that would be fantastic. Hey, I, I actually be, you know, I know you might have more stuff, but I wanted to talk to you on the show about some of your plans and how, uh, our podcast and, and your efforts are going to work together. It's sort of, you know, what's coming next year. So uh, I don't know if you're ready to discuss all of that, but um, I did want to get to that before you uh, moved on. All right, real, real quick. I don't want to talk a whole lot because I don't know where it's going, but I, I quit <clears throat> a paying side gig. <laughs> Spend more time on my unpaid side gig. So right on. Playbook. But I am going to do a couple of extra things. Um, I have, I, one of them is to, like I said, keep track of, more closely and more real-time of California legislation. I think that could be helpful for here, for people here in Sacramento where I am. But um, the other thing, just because I think it'll be fun to do, is arrange half-hour phone calls with experts, authors, policymakers in the world of addiction and recovery. Talk to them and then do short pieces on a blog that I only have one entry on right now. And so do these little interview pieces. And I'm happy when I reach out to people to say, hey, I know this podcast, but they'd be happy to have you too. I don't want to overstep, so I'll talk to you ahead of, ahead of time. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. And without permission, I've co-branded the, yeah. my, my newsletter with the news clips with, with Silver Lining. <laughs> I think it sounds like uh, such a great you know, idea. When you do these things because you like the content, and then all of a sudden you start looking at numbers. <laughs> Thinking, how could I get more? Right, Twitter. I need a Twitter presence, and um, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've been angling behind. Thing. I've been angling behind the scenes in my own mind. You know, ever since you started helping us out with the news and stuff, I'm like, man, we got to get like a segment or you know do something. You know, because you've got such a, a wide uh, breadth of knowledge that you have access to, and and then your level of interest, and it just. It's really great, and it's coming out right now in, in your year review that you were able to just spit out, you know. And I think... I think the man needs his own podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. One of the things I want to... No, that sounds like a ton of work. I, I, I know, I know. It's, it's like giving somebody a puppy, you know. Yeah. It's like, it seems really nice at first, and then it's a nightmare because, you know, it's a puppy. But 
Um, I think, yeah, the future is bright for SoberLiningsPlaybook.com and RMA. Happy to co-brand and um, I don't know, whatever you want to do. Like this is, we're a team here. You know what I mean? And uh, it's, All right, well, we'll awesome. think about it. Maybe we'll have uh, at our next quarterly meeting, we'll, we'll yeah. set our yeah. strategic plan and go from there. But um, Absolutely. Hey, happy New Year's to you and to all the Munsters. I should probably take off and get ready for the day of work. Well, thanks, uh, Grant, for coming on and sharing your uh, reflections on 2021, and good luck to whatever yeah. 2022 brings. Thank you, and thanks the two of you for all you do. It's been um, it's really made my 2021 to steer your Facebook Aww. community and this podcast. So, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you very all much. Right. You can find Grant at soberliningsplaybook.com. You can get him on the um, the Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon Discord group and the private Facebook group and. We lost him. So there he goes. <laughs> I think that that was a pro move. He probably, you know, he knows that when we start doing that, yeah, he's yeah, supposed yeah. to cut he, out. He, is, he can go. He knows what he's doing. So yeah. thank you so much for that, Grant. Happy New Year! And we're but, so lucky that he, uh, yeah, he you chose know, dropped us. into our dropped into our existence. He chose it's us. Fantastic. Yeah, his website's been mentioned on such podcasts as Rehab Confidential. Oh yeah. So you know he's yeah. out there. People he's are seeing there. it. We see it, and love to have Grant G Money Smooth. Helping out with the show. Um, I would like to take a break. Okay. And when we come back, this is a teaser. You ready? I'm ready. When we come back, we have uh, Monster uh, New Year's resolutions. Yes. Um, and we have our vision for 2022 a little bit. Recovering the news and Week and Weird if we want to get to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll be back right after these words. And we're back. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Grant knocks it out of the park. Man. Yeah, that was a good, healthy dose of reflection. You know, and news in, analysis. In 2022, we are going to get Grant a decent sound on his end. Uh, he needs to be like on a mic and on Zencaster. We can do this on Zencaster. Yeah, but we just haven't had time to work it out because we just had the vacation. And yeah. but we will work out our uh, our guest sound will be better. I promise. Yeah. So we're a little bit upside down and backwards as far as the outline's concerned. Which oh no, I know I don't Are like. Could be all right. I, well, we'll see because um, before Grant, I wanted to do our New Year's resolutions, but um, New Year's resolutions. We're going back. Yes, Ugh. I know, I know because the um, I got the monsters to reach out and give us some. Firstly, though, I thought you and I could, could talk about our goals. Great. Right? This is going to be fast <laughs> from my angle. We're, we're going to do it quick. Okay. Okay. Um, I have some New Year's goals. Listen, a lot is changing in my life, and the only thing one right. can count on is change. Things are in flux, or it's very fluid, or it's mercurial, or however you want to... Things... Shit happens. Shit happens. And it happens all at once sometimes. Yes, it does. Sometimes it's explosive. Um, <laughs> You're having an explosive <laughs> diarrhea of a year. You know, <laughs> with a more positive cast, perhaps. So much has happened this year with this podcast. It has grown so much and it has become something. It's alive. It's alive. It's, you know, um, it's feeding off of the monster's energy. Um, and at the same time, the business I've been in professionally for the last four years is coming to an end. My time in retail is over. I am closing the shop that I've put everything into. I've now left it all in the field. 
And then moving on, but the question becomes, what the hell am I going to do with myself? Right. Um, And this is a big question for me. 2022, and for so long, I've been unable to sort of crystallize in my mind where I want to take this thing. Um, But things just sort of kind of materialize. They have a way of working themselves out. And um, what I've decided is I really want to be in some kind of profession where I'm helping people. Um, basically doing what I try to do all the time, but maybe even being able to pay my bills with it. Wow. So uh, one way I'm going to go is I am going to get a recovery coaching uh, or peer counselor certificate of some kind. Okay. Whether it be CCAR, which is New York, actually it's national uh, uh, certification, or a KSAC, which is the um, really hard to get um, New York State certification. Yeah, did you look at the uh, the requirements for that thing? It's it's, a, it's daunting. Crazy. It's daunting. Yeah. Um but uh, either that and I was going to do that plus I'm going to enroll in a master's in social work degree. Really? Now, that can work in so many different ways for me because I've basically been offered a full-time position at this medical billing company as an HR kind of director, manager type of person running payroll being there for the people, the employees, helping them, you know, get vacation, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's going to require me developing their whole system because it's a growing company. Uh, and that's going to be... That's going to be... You're going to be a busy man this year. Yeah, and at least I'll be able to pay my electric bill uh, with that, or yeah. you know, which would be nice. Uh, but it'll also take up a lot of my time. Sure. Time that would be better spent working on this podcast, which is really my passion in life, doing this... Um, it's just, it gives me so much joy and I love, I love doing it. I love studying recovery. I love being introspective and learning about myself and how I can get better. And so, you know, uh, besides figuring all that out, which maybe even smart recovery certificate. Yeah. In fact, Mike and I were thinking of doing it together. I think we should do it. And I think we should maybe start a smart recovery meeting group here in the land in which we live. <laughs> So we can provide people with an alternative. I think that that is that would be something that would be super super fun, and um, I think it would be great. I was looking into the the CASAC. Uh, I didn't look at the CCAR. It, it's a lot less. It is New York. There is a New York State program to get certified in it. It's like a four day program. Mm. Sometimes pre pandemic, it was you go away for four days and do it and right. come back. I think probably there's um, video internet ways to do it. Yeah, but it's in it's you know when you're in a twelve step or AA, there's a lot of more opportunities to go and visit you know hospitals or mental asylums or wherever to spread the recovery message. Yeah, um, you know when you're not involved with twelve step, it's a little you kind of have to yeah. find different avenues, right? I mean, the, yeah. this podcast is one avenue, right? But you're just a podcast host. I mean, how far does that get you? Yeah, right. You're not you're not making the human connection, or are you? I mean, you can make a human connection over the internet. Well, that's what we're doing on the Patreon yeah. Discord and on the Facebook group. Right. I feel like I'm I'm connecting with more people in recovery than I ever have before and and it helps me. You know, like I've said this before, but when you guys, you know, write me off, thanks for just like answering me. I'm like, dude, this is helping me. <laughs> like right. I'm getting a lot out of this too. But it might it might be nice to have like a smart recovery group yeah. where people come in person yes. and sit and talk and you know, we have that community Let's on a more it. community level. So that's one of our so I'd goals. Be in, I'd be into doing that. That's one of our goals. Uh, I want to get back to the gym. I want to keep growing the monster community and getting to know you guys. 
and uh, I really feel like I'm just making new friends, people I actually like. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's you know we got some. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun, and I want to keep recovery top of mind. What about you, Mike? I want to do a lot less recovery-related activities. Interesting. This year. No. <laughs> I will pick up the slack. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm 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 being a little facetious. I mean, you know, obviously this is this is important to me. The podcast is important to me. All of you folks are important to me. Um, but I also feel like. You have to be a well-rounded person and you have to develop interests that are outside the recovery sphere. And something that Joseph Naus, when he came on, uh, uh, said about mastery and the, the fact that you should find something that you can achieve mastery in. And for him, it was golf, right? So I want to start the, heading down that same road with uh, photography. Mm. I want to become a master at the craft of photography, both uh, still pictures uh, which I do of like birds and pretty, wildlife and stuff. You're pretty masterful at it now. If uh, yeah, those photos it, that you post are a real, indication. a real professional, you know, would can tell the difference between what I do and, right. and what they do. It's like when <laughs> I listen to a band yeah. and when like someone else does, I'm hearing things. Yeah, that, of know. course. So <laughs> I want to put some, some time into that. Obviously, you know, I have three kids, so busy family life. Working on a fourth? Uh, no, never. <laughs> um, <laughs> never. <laughs> but, you know, you have two. Imagine if you had another one. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the amount of time that you would have to dedicate to the third. Yeah. That, that comes off the top of my available free time. Jim you know? Gaffigan has a funny quote about that. He's got five kids, and he said, when people ask me, what's it like to have five kids? And he said, imagine you're... <laughs> You're drowning in a pool, mm-hmm. right? And with four kids that you're also trying to save and someone throws you a baby. Yeah. That's okay. what it's like. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I have one going to college this year, so that's going to take up a lot of, of, you know, time and effort. And so, you know, I have to be, the thing that I should really be resolving is not to be taking on too much uh, in the new year because I ha- also have a full-time job, which will be going live at some point in you the next six months. That. I they, they keep telling me not to come to the office. Who am I to argue, yeah. you know? Yeah. But at some point, that's going to click in. Mm-hmm. And if I have all this other stuff going on around me, you know, yeah. and that also gets on. So I have to kind of be careful. So a mm-hmm. little bit of recovery work, keep the pod, doing the podcast, uh, get get the smart certification. That'll take care of that stuff. Then I got the photography mastery. I have all of the family stuff, which is my favorite part of all of it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I also want to, I don't know, I also want to keep, keep up the running, um, yeah. do more strength training, lose eh, 10 pounds. You're going to lose 10 pounds? Yeah. I got a, it's belly. It's all be belly skinny. fat. Yeah. Or, you know, just change my body composition, man. Mm. The thing is like, I'm trying to figure out what crazy diet to engage in in the new year and I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, should I become like a raw vegan, like rich roll mm. or should I become like uh, a, um, what do you, what's the other one? What's the opposite of that? A carnivore, omnivore? A carnivore maybe, but what's that what's that diet keto where you or, keto, ketogenic yeah. diet. Is that where you put butter in coffee? Something like that. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound healthy. Yeah. I've tried Just, I've tried the ketogenic diet, it doesn't work for me. Did you try my diet? The chicken salad diet? The one where you just starve yourself and you don't eat intermittent un- fasting, they call that now. But I didn't I wasn't <laughs> as measured. I I just didn't eat until it was so overwhelmingly painful that I had to. And then I would like eat a little bit until it stopped being pain. And I did that for, it's very unhealthy I, and I please do don't that. do that. I yeah. can't do that. But I, it did uh, work. My problem is I really like food and I always have, you know, 
Who doesn't like food? Well, some people can get away with like not eating yeah. a lot of food. Yeah, like, like that food doesn't interest them as much. Yeah, no, I have friends like that. But like I've found like and I and in the past when I when I quit smoking crack in the 80s and I got super hyper focused on what I was putting into my body like almost it was like an opposite of what I was doing for the five, six years preceding. Mm. Like I became like a macrobiotic vegan and all I would eat is like brown rice, vegetables and tofu for <laughs> like a year and a half. Definitely a balance. Yeah. You know, because it's like, you don't want to fall into orthoxia, which is like basically an eating disorder where you're obsessed with food, food purity and following sets of rules around food. Yeah. You know, which should, fits in with your addictive. Yeah, you know. I mean, we should totally do an episode on eating disorders at some point because yeah. you know they, they they pop up in weird ways and they're not all uh, bulimia or anorexia. There's orthoexia is huge amongst uh, recovered addicts because it incorporates um, you know intense excessive exercise with a hyper focus on purity of your diet, and that's its own eating disorder. So, wow. Yeah. Well. Anyway, the, so that's kind of where I'm at yeah. with that. For the new year. I mean, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be challenging. I hope COVID goes away so we can, you know, plan things. Yeah. I'd like to go away a little bit and do some more museuming. Yeah. I would like to have... Together. I would also like to have like... um you know, maybe a meeting of some of the some of our listeners. Yes. You know, like in person meetings. That is a goal of of ours is to have uh, monster meetups and maybe even retreats and just kind of like yeah, you know, because like I always say, this is a team. We're doing this together, and what better way than to actually be together? Right. Um, cool. So next year's going to be great, and I keep telling everybody it will be great. It will the more be times great. I say it, the more likely I am to be disappointed when it isn't. <laughs> Just don't become too attached to things going a certain way. No. And, um, okay, so I was very fortunate to get a bunch of Monkster New Year's resolutions uh, and goals. And the first ones I'm going to read come from the Inner Sanctum on Patreon. Okay. Um, a lot of these came through on Discord. Uh, the first one was Get Smart Aaron, as you all know, says her New Year's resolution is to stay off the SIGs, which I gave up about a month ago or something like that. And... So more of what I love and to do more of what she right. loves. Great. Um, Bo says. Bo from the Inner Sanctum says. I want to figure out how to use my school benefits from the army and take a couple of night classes. It's a very practical goal. Yes. I like it. I got to, I've been talking to Bo a lot, actually. He's one of the first guys to come on Discord. So we've been like, bing, 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 bing. Figuring bing. it out together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guys on there were like, <laughs> we're going to show together. When, when you're away, you know, I, I, uh, I uh, call on the monsters. Uh, another uh, inner sanctum monster, Melissa M says, two hours scream time a day. I only have one more minute left today due to trying to figure out Discord. LOL. <laughs> also, to make it to one year sober and admirable goals. Listen, I I didn't realize that that's what you were doing because you did make a comment on Discord about like, uh, you know, I just wasted all of my uh, daily allotment of screen time on uh, you know <laughs> talking to you guys on Discord. But what I didn't realize is you you're self binding. Yes. For your screen time. Right. And this is something that, yeah, so now I get it. Do you have a plexiglass, Melissa, thing with a lock on it, a time lock? Because I used to have one of those for the kids when they, I would lock up their phone in this plexiglass thing with a timer lid and I would set it for like an hour and you couldn't open it until an hour went by. That's some like serial killer shit. And I've been watching Dexter and that makes me think of like... (laughs) How is that serial killer stuff? You put the phone in for an hour and you turn a time lock. It sounds crazy. But, uh, I don't huh. know. I mean, that was you know back in the early days when you could actually take their phone without them like 
yeah. feeling like you'd cut off their arm or something. Oh God, yeah, forget it now. They, you know, we're basically becoming like enhanced humans with this phone. You know, we're not even. Which brings us to Wharf Rad's Wharf Dad's resolution, which is not to sleep with a phone in the bedroom in 2022. Yeah, thank I, you, Wharf Dad. I wish I could do that one. Yeah, why not? You know, I don't know about you, but like, if I wake up in the middle of the night. I, I just lay there quietly and, and stress about things. Yeah, me too. My wife will pick up her phone and like scroll around on the phone for an hour. My like, wife too. I don't get that at all. Like, cause if I put that, yeah. those light rays beaming right into my brain, I would be yeah. so awake. I don't think I would ever sleep yeah. after that. And like, and now I'll be on our the recovery in the middle ages, the group and like, I'll see someone post something and then I write that and then like, bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Dopamine's firing Right. Away. It's, it's uh, to me, I don't know, but you know, maybe it's, People, people are different, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my wife is probably more, has more of an intellectual life than I do in, in her interior one because she, you know, I just lay there and like hope that I'll eventually go back to sleep. But she's like, you know, looking at stuff, using yeah. the, using the mind. My trick is to listen to podcasts, um, but I can't listen to recovery podcasts because it, it, my brain engages. I mm. listen to Mysterious Universe or Astonishing Legends podcasts which are my favorite paranormal podcasts mm-hmm. and they're high quality and they have soothing voices. And it's interesting enough where I'm like listening to it and it distracts me, right? but not so interesting that I get caught up in it. And I've been doing that since college. I used to listen to coast to coast AM on a radio mm. when I went to sleep. So I'm trained to do that. I went the other way, man. I, I put earplugs in, I have a white noise machine and it has to be black as night in my room or else I don't sleep. Interesting. And uh, that was Worf Dad from the Inner Sanctum. He was one of the early adopters. Thank you for that. Um, And then I'm pretty sure 8-Baller Rob from (laughs) Discord. Great name. I'm pretty sure that's Rob S. Yeah, I think it is. Okay, good. And he's also in the Inner Sanctum. He says, primarily very much just about keeping going for me. I'm at around five weeks at the moment with the final hurdle tomorrow night at a friend's. Fancy working up to, oh, oh he's, he's British, that's right. I fancy working up to 5K running-wise, and by the end of January, was going to tackle the vapes and try to and moderate it a bit more. Uh, you sound but, like Russell Brand. But think that might be <laughs> too much too soon. Cheerio. Cheerio. Um, he didn't actually write that yet, no. so uh, rate, rate my British accent. Um, Jennifer D. from the Inner Sanctum says... Continue not drinking alcohol. Cut back on sugar, upping the exercise, and stop being so bitchy. Definitely <laughs> need to work on my patience. I, too, am going to stop being so bitchy in yes, 2022. Please stop being so bitchy. I can be a, such a bitch. Thank now you, Now we uh, shift over to the Facebook group, folks, right? The private Facebook group. And, guys, if I'm reading you from the Facebook group and you're also on uh, in the Inner Sanctum, my apologies. I'm still figuring out which username is which. Jeffrey Cliff. Jeffrey C says, "Listen, to, I mean, he wrote the name. Yeah. Listen to more RMA. Uh, that one—that's one we could all get behind. Yes, yeah. Please do." Tommy D says, "Funnily enough, not drinking. That's a British that's, thing. I noticed. Right. That's funnily a good enough. One. Funnily enough, not drinking." Right. <laughs> Anna Q says, "It's definitely upping, starting the exercise for." What did I? I, know, I don't I know. The There's a thing. word missing. She wants to up the exercise. Um, and if you reverse, here's a conspiracy theory. Look at her name. If you reverse the last letter with her name, it's QAnon. <laughs> right? What if it's a QAnon, like sleeper cell that's, that's trying to infiltrate the RMA movement? It could be. Just kidding, Anna Q. Who's next? Maya A.N. 
improve my relationship with sugar. Yeah, that, that's another thing I'm seeing yeah. a lot of. <clears throat> a lot of people who get into recovery uh, start to, like we just said, look at their diet. And sugar is a major culprit. There's a few things. Salt, sugar, caffeine are things people start looking at after they drop the booze and drugs. Well, when you quit drinking, you you crave sugar because right. of the liver stuff. So, I don't know. For like three months after, I was just eating everything that had sugar in it I could get my hands on. And, but the problem is if, if it doesn't go away, and then, then it becomes a habit, and then you got to break the habit. Right. So, Melissa L. says, to keep doing what I'm doing, 533 days sober. It hasn't been easy, but it's getting better. Wow. Oh, data. Nice. One day at a time. 533 days. That's so great, Melissa. Thank you. Mark N., he's a new one. Um he says, need to work more on my emotional sobriety. I was so happy to see yeah. a monster talking about emotional sobriety. This is something that's uh, important to me. It's something I just learned about, really, uh, in... Um, all that book. In the book. You know, all of this research book. we did all year, you know. Uh, I'm, like, exploding with this extra stuff here. And but Chris Decay wants to quit smoking. Yep, good idea. Tony yeah. W. wants to do lifestyle stuff. No alcohol, eat healthy, exercise. Uh, the family issue I want to work on is all my grandparents are dead. Uh, the grandmothers really held the family together, especially during the holidays. Want to figure out how to all around improve our family relationships. That's a tall order. Yeah, but he's a tall guy, I think. Oh, well then, then it works. I hope he's doing okay. He was in the, um, I think he was in the tornado area. All right, that Tony. Uh, Allie DP says, I'm starting off the new year with 75 what? 75 hard? With a group of people. I think it's an exercise regime. Oh, 75 okay. hard. 75 days, uh, 75 days of twice a day workouts. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Lots of water, healthy eating plan, and 10 pages of nonfiction reading per day. Uh, that will break the sugar addiction. <laughs> I want to quit the nicotine gum early in the year and find a therapist I like also. Great. I love all of these... Um, these are great New Year's resolutions. Thanks for sharing them with us. Now you're all accountable since we've read them out in public. Yeah. So now you got to <laughs> do it. Um, yeah. Whatever you said you have to do, better get on that. Yeah. I was a little reluctant to... How are we doing on time here? We are one hour and 54 minutes. Okay. So we are coming to the end. Well, <laughs> I did want to do recovering the news and then maybe sign off. Okay. Is that Okay. Yeah. It's always okay. All right. Recovering in the news. Recovering. And happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy motherfucking New Year. Motherfuckers. <laughs> that was a New Year. That was the holiday version. Enjoy. So, um, Recovering the News is an article. I think it was in the New York Times. Um, the title of the article is I was powerless over Diet Coke. Mm. Aaron sent me this because cool. it was, and, and I first I scoffed. I said, Diet Coke. And then I realized, right. you know, there's something to this, this addiction thing. Yeah, <laughs> there could be something to it. So um, after I discovered Diet Coke in 1982, says the author, I drank at least three to four 12 ounce cans nearly every day for the next four decades, no wow. matter how many. No matter where in the world I was. Hey, you discovered Coke in 1982, didn't you? I did, but it wasn't diet. It was uh -huh. full strength. Uh -huh. um, so this person uh, bought out an entire store's inventory in New Delhi, India, because she feared she might not encounter another soda in the rest of the country. 
who stashed cans in her room when she visited her parents like an 18-year-old with a bong, except she was in her 40s. At various times, I tried to stop, but I could never deprive myself for longer than a week. As a non-coffee drinker, it was my morning beverage. Um, she, she tried kombucha, LaCroix, Zevia, and nothing satisfied the cravings. Uh, no point in caffeine-free soda. I loved my fully loaded Diet Coke and only in the silver and red can so I could hear the Pavlovian pop when I cracked it open. Ooh. I mean, reading this, I was struck by the parallel between this and like alcohol addiction and or any any other substance addiction because yeah. it's not really a process addiction although it is it's a process and a substance addiction all rolled into one yeah plus it's the a, chemicals in there yeah it's a caffeine i mean you know so after 40 years of this like she said that um earlier this year she started getting this weird throbbing pain on the left side of her abdomen that the doctors couldn't find anything that the colonoscopy and she also noticed that the Diet Coke started tasting really bad. It started tasting like what she would imagine a Tide Pod would taste like, but she kept drinking it because she couldn't stop. Um, eventually, last June, after polishing off her second can of the day, pain shot across my stomach, and that was my last soda. Just like that, I was done after 39 years. Why did it take so long? Was I truly physically dependent, or was it simply a bad habit? Can a soft drink be addictive? And then she goes into some of the DSM, um, you know, uh, uh, definition of addiction and talks about um, what things people can get addicted to, whether they be alcohol, drugs, gambling, paint thinner. Um, and I comes to the conclusion that she was dealing with a substance-related addictive disorder. Uh, even though Diet Coke isn't mentioned specifically, you have the twin issues of, um, of caffeine use disorder, and you also have the fact that artificial sweeteners are like Yo, so much more addictive. Yeah. You know, I come from a, a, a world of um, conspiracy theories that, you know, when I listen to these paranormal podcasts, one of the things that I've heard about over the years is this aspartame conspiracy theory that it's really this like, it, it's designed to addict you yeah. and make you complacent. And it like people who are drinking a lot of stuff with aspartame have like reduced sex drive, like all of this stuff, like that. It's yeah, some interesting things. But aspartame is is rough. Yeah. There, there's actually a Facebook group called Diet Soda Coke Drinkers Who Want to Quit. It has 1,100 members. Jesus, I, there's probably a subreddit if there's one for that. Uh, but Mr. Walsh, who is um, the, uh, I guess the moderator of that group. Uh, said that he quit smoking 17 years ago, and that was easier than giving up Diet Coke. He went cold turkey uh, and suffered terrible headaches along with feeling irritable and tired. Uh, he had to take aspirin uh, and distract himself, and uh, it was basically he was manifesting the classic signs of addiction, of substance addiction, Yeah, uh, you know, to, to a substance that no, most people, like if, if they drink it at all, don't really you know, think much of it. I mean, no, our president, our former president was uh, famous for not drinking alcohol, but it was known that he drank like 12 cans of Diet Coke a day. Hmm. Uh, and this is something I've seen it a lot in my life. There's people who all they drink is Diet Coke and they love it. Um, yeah. But when you taste it, sort of like beer, like people who are addicted to alcohol, they can drink it all day. And then someone like a kid or someone who doesn't drink much will taste it and be like, oh, it's gross. Yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, I, I'll drink one occasionally because I, I won't drink sugary soda just it, because I, it's empty calories. Yeah. But so I don't really even notice the nasty taste anymore. 
But I mean, you have people here who are like, like this Lethia Medina who, um, her Diet Coke addiction interfered with her life because she was always late for work because the line at McDonald's was too long. Wow. Like she would be waiting for like, you know, a fountain soda. So I don't know. It interesting, um, you know, and it speaks to the fact that is it is addiction really related to a certain substance or is it a set of processes, man? A set of brain stimulation, brain triggers. You know, I I don't know, man. You know, you were seeking the the unified theory of addiction, but um, you know, I don't know. It's it's crazy, and um, this is something. The more research we do here. it's just starting to look that way. I'm getting a complete, more complete picture of addiction. Right now, I'm reading Evan Haynes and Bob Farr's new book called uh, Can America Recover, which is like a textbook. It's I a mean, good book. Uh, I've been we're, we're reading, reading it, it too. for the show. Uh, and it's like, it starts in like the history of mental illness well, yeah, and it's how crazy. it's developed. I mean, he gets into everything. But what he's doing is he's setting the table for us to get, you know, to see now, look at the problem we have today and where it all comes from. You really get a bigger understanding of it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, I mean, it is a multifaceted problem. And that's it, bro, for recovery. In yeah. The news. All right. Well, um, I feel like it's not recovering the Middle Ages without something weak and weird. It's up to you. We're two hours. Weak and weird. Former NASA engineer revealed to have been boy at center of the exorcist case. This is too big a story to <laughs> just like forget about. By Tim Benall. Long shrouded in mystery, the identity of the boy who served as the inspiration for the legendary story, the exorcist has been revealed to be a former NASA engineer who passed away last year. By way of an investigation by J.D. Sword from the magazine Skeptical Inquirer, it has been determined that Ronald Edwin Hunkler was the then 14-year-old individual who underwent a series of exorcisms back in 1949 at the home, at his home in Cottage City, Maryland. Word of the strange case purported demonic possession captivated writer William Peter Blatty, who subsequently penned a fictionalized version of the account titled The Exorcist, which, as everyone knows, was a big movie. Um, I'm not going to go on and read this entire article. The movie was partially filmed on the floor that my freshman dorm room was in, no in, uh, in at Fordham University because it's a Jesuit university and no the Jesuits kidding. were the ones that did the original exorcism of this kid and right. in the I movie mean, as but well. In the paranormal world, uh, this has been a huge question over the years. Who was the boy that the exorcist was based on? Of course, in the movie, it's a little girl and he's always been anonymous. So this is, is kind of cool for us uh, paranormal nerds out there. Now we know the identity of... The inspiration It's for interesting it. that he became a NASA scientist yeah. and worked on the Apollo uh, program. Did you even know? You knew it was based on a true story, right? Or you didn't? I, I really didn't. Um, it is. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. And that's why I do this news. That's why <laughs> Weak and Weird is so important. I'm, you know, shedding light on uh, this stuff that's going on in the ether. Yeah. And that's this Week and Weird. We can wrap it up now. Okay. okay. Happy New Year. Well... That about does it for today. It does. Um, I hope uh, you guys all had a great time. I had a good time. Uh, did you? Oh, sure. Great. Visit us at our newly revamped middleagesrecovery.com. Uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at twat, you twit, support your favorite show, 
Give us a five-star review, please, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Join our private Facebook group. Uh, find us at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages to get into the inner sanctum, get the bonus shows, get the Discord discussion forum. It's awesome. Buy a t-shirt, write and say hello. Oh, yeah, buy a t-shirt. Yeah, please. We still have a ton of t-shirts. We love meeting monsters and chopping it up online. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our little show... Please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. Happy New Year! Bye. Be good. Don't drink tonight. Bye.